things. <laughs> I'm just saying that we need to talk more about Dr. Colonel Jr. and where he is. Where do you think he is, Robin? I think he's at the coroner's office. We're just ignoring him. <laughs> I'm sad. Where's the flash forward? Of Dr. Colonel Jr. Hello? He's going to testify in uh, the trial. Of see Doug, him. He's like, I was there. And they're going to be like, objection. This man is an untrustworthy witness. They'll be like, why? He just gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I don't like them. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact of this week is if you could ask any Riverdale character, past or present, a question on the polygraph test and you have to get the 100% answer, who and what would you ask? This is a big one. I know. I thought of it and I was like, then I have to thought of it. Then I thought about it for a really it's long time. It's just a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah. Luckily, in previous seasons, like, the big questions I had were mostly answered, mm-hmm. and uh, this might be a bit of a cop-out, but, like, I genuinely want to know what Charles's deal is. Like, I know that he's the one who was being polygraphed this episode, but, like, I'm just sad and confused, and I want to know what the truth is. Okay. That's so fair. Like, yeah, yeah I just, like, I'm having a hard time with that. I, like, last night when we watched the episode, I was, like, upset when I watched it, and then, like, I went and sat in my room, and I thought about it more, and I was like, I'm really sad. Uh, yeah, I I have thoughts about that later. Yeah. It's deeply depressing. Because, yeah, it's a huge freaking bummer, and I'm not prepared to accept it yet. Yeah. Same. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, B.C., I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And if I could put anyone, like, up to the lie detector and quiz them on anything, like, I thought about this for a while, and I genuinely want to ask Hiram why he's so obsessed with his daughter. Mm. You know? Like, for yes or no answers, it would just basically be like, I I don't even know. I just want to know everything about, like, what's going on in Hiram's brain. Like, why did he think it was acceptable to shoot at his wife? Mm -hmm. You know? Like... Why did he think that, like, trying to frame Archie for murder was a cool new hobby? Yeah, this episode we learned that uh, Hiram thinks that trying to assassinate your significant other is BDSM. Yeah, he thinks yeah. It, I think he truly thinks it's foreplay, and I'm like, no thank you. Go to therapy, get some help. Like, the thing is, sometimes they do this in movies, and it, they, they pull it off. Like, in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, when they do it, it works beautifully. Because they're both equally fighting each other. But Hermione's completely, like, unequipped to go up against Hiram, so she just has to buckle under. Right, it's very much not an equal playing field. It's straight up abuse. And uh, that's that on that. Thanks so much. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over-40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. And that is the first time I've completed my bio without ruining it. I didn't want to jinx it. <laughs> um, if I, I'm going to just, um, am going to take a cop out here uh, with the polygraph question and, and just be real and say I would probably ask FP and Alice um, when they knew they were in love with each other. Just for my own entertainment. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like, like I, I know why I'm here. <laughs> I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> like, part, like, 
me asking Charles what his deal is is also kind of about snake parents, to be oh, honest. For sure. Like, yeah. I just want them to have good, nice things. Exactly. Yeah, because it's like, if I have to watch Alice go through one more thing like this, I'm going to scream. Girl, same. Anyway, today we have words to say about episode 406 of Riverdale, Hereditary. So Hereditary is a 2018 American supernatural psychological horror drama film, which is a lot of uh, a lot of adjectives and genres. <laughs> Um, and it was written and directed by Ari Aster in his feature directorial debut. It stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne as a family haunted by a mysterious presence after the death of their secretive grandmother. So, Brittany, you're the only one, right, Sam? Yeah, who I haven't seen it. Who has seen this movie? Can't. Is there anything that you can bring over? There's literally like they just took the name. Like mm. there, are, there's no connections. Like no one was beheaded. Also. Even with the Cheryl storyline? Like, there's nothing in Cheryl's that's, like, similar. No! Genuinely, no. Like, the Cheryl thing is still closer to, like, Psycho than anything else. Yeah. But, like, in Hereditary, like, even that summary doesn't make any sense. Because, like, the death of their grandmother actually, like, I mean, yeah, it does stuff. But, like, the bigger stuff happens involving, like, the kids and has nothing to do with the grandmother. So, yeah, none of this really tied in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even the Dagwood thing didn't tie in. Okay. Weird. So we got uh, thoughts from listeners this week. Um, we got a DM from Christina, who is at underscore Katina Lee underscore. Um, and she DM'd us uh, a, some really interesting stuff. Yeah, y'all, you want to listen to this DM. It's for cool. rest and believe. Uh, she also said that she, uh, this is from her and her friend, um, and that they are film theory students. So they analyze TV and movies like constantly, which like, oh, same. same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, hi, aficionados. I'm not sure if this is the right way to interact with you. It, it is. is. Yeah, that's a. I check our message. I check our uh, our message requests and everything. Even if you if we don't follow you, you can still DM us. Yeah. But I'm a huge fan and would love to share a theory a friend of mine and I have been talking through. Like you mentioned, we also thought that the Jughead death storyline could just be acting out his murder story for the competition. The reason that the show could be showing it to us in this way is because it's foreshadowing the fact that the show Riverdale as a whole is one of the books Jughead later publishes when he becomes the ghostwriter for this series. This plotline is just a microcosm of what the writers are trying to say the whole show is about. Maybe the whole show, whether it's true to their story or an exaggeration of Jughead's imagination, is just another Baxter Brothers mystery written by the newest ghostwriter, Jughead in the future. This doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm not sure I want it to be true, but I wanted to share with my favorite theorizers. I love this theory. This is canon to me. Like, it, to- it totally makes sense, especially with all of the, like, flowery language that they're constantly using. Yeah. 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 I love it. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing that really, like, I think would be revolutionary for, like, a Baxter Brothers book would be to tie in all these original characters of Jughead. Like, he's like, okay... It's Baxter, Baxter Brothers, but let's, like, update it and, like, write fan fiction about my friends and, like, put it all in there. Like, I think that's so cool. I think it's amazing. I love that idea. And I think it plays into uh, the episode titles being chapter titles. Um, yes. Really, really well. Uh, yeah, I there's nothing I don't love about this theory. I wonder if it's, like, a, a new series that Jughead starts to write after he writes the Baxter Brothers or something like that. That's possible. Or even, like... Jughead's book yeah. on his own, like his, yeah. his own thing that isn't even related to Baxter Brothers. Well, but. we always assumed that he was writing a book about something, but I think the idea- Well, it was supposed to be about Jason at the beginning there. Yeah, so I think the idea of it being like a Baxter Brothers like continuing legacy thing is a fascinating 
way to sort of clean up the whole what book is Jughead writing? Why are there so many chapters in this friggin' book? Does it ever end sort of thing? Yeah. And yeah. what what times what uh not time zone, uh uh time period. Time, time period, period does it occur in? What time zone does it occur in? I guess East because um, I guess it's supposed to be in <laughs> yeah. York. EST, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, Christina, thank you so much for sending in your thoughts. It was a really, really cool theory. And if you guys want to send in your thoughts as well, you can uh, DM us. We are at the aficionados on Twitter. Uh, also Instagram, if you want to try and find us on there. And you can also email us your long form thoughts at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. God, that theory is a good theory. It's great. I'm really excited about it. Yes. Yeah. Like, we will not know until the very end of the series, but... <laughs> exactly. Like, I hope we remember this. Yeah. So that we can, like, all, like, reconvene and be like, so, she's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Brittany. Uh, so, Robin. Toot or boot? Uh, tentative toot, just because, like, I mean, it's closer to a newt, but as much as I disliked last episode and I gave it a newt, I liked this one more, but was more frustrated by it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That makes complete sure. sense because I feel the same way. Yeah, Sam, yeah, Tudor Boot. I'm going to stick with Newt, though, because I'm like, while I found this episode much, much more entertaining than the previous episode, I also feel gross mm -hmm. after having watched it, so still a Newt. Why do we feel this way? Robin, Tudor Boot. To be honest, I'm going to boot it. Do um, it. Yeah. I, I thought that it was better written yes. um, than last episode, but... Uh, I think every single storyline made me feel bad, sad, and like a little bit betrayed. And so because of the bad, gross feelings it gave me, I can't in good conscience give it a toot. And this isn't like film criticism where like, no. like we're impartial and we're trying to like look at the structure and stuff. This is purely like, hey, here's how I feel about this episode. And as Robin said, it made me feel bad, sad, and not good. So yeah. why not? Like for me, I felt really uncomfortable mm -hmm. the whole very time. Betty's storyline, sad, bad, and uncomfortable, and gross. But mm -hmm. Veronica's storyline, certainly uncomfortable, bad, oh, and gross. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. with, like, the, some of the decisions being made. Mm -hmm. Then, like, the Jughead storyline, I felt gross because of Mr. DuPont and Mr. Chipping. And then Cheryl's storyline, I felt gross because her of her family members coming in and, like, being weird. Yeah. So it's like, and Archie's storyline was, like, okay. That's actually fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Archie's storyline was okay. Yeah. Weirdly enough. But, um, like, every storyline made me feel bad. And I, I mean, was disappointed. Do you think that is the point, though, of this episode in particular? Sure. I guess. I just, like, why are you, why are you trying to get your, make your audience feel bad? I think maybe to highlight, like, how far things have gone in the wrong direction in Riverdale. I guess. Well, then do that with one storyline. Yeah. At but, a time. But you this know? is sort of the, you know, we're getting into, what, episode six? Like, we're really trying to dig into, like, the meat of the conflicts of this season. So this stuff is going to start to, like, be like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, Black Hood awkward sort of thing. No matter how many bad things that made you feel bad and sad and gross that happened and lost, you never, at least in my opinion, maybe maybe once or twice, you would leave an, uh, an episode being like, I feel bad and yeah. sad. Okay, so you know how you feel bad and sad and kind of betrayed? Mm -hmm. Multiply that by 10, that's how we feel about the 100. Oof. Just uncomfortable and angry and just upset. Yeah. That's the emotion just we feel. Just only bad feelings. But yeah, I um, I think it's intentional just because, like, it's, it is a thing that shows do where they, like, take people, like, they take storylines and set them up at the beginning of the episode, like, haha, this is going exactly the way you want it, isn't it? And then, then they pull the tablecloth out from underneath, and it's like, "Ha ha! You were fooled. Mm -hmm. um, this is all bad." And I um, stop. I to get it. Me. <laughs> like I get it. I understand that this is a television trope that people do, 
but I'm I'm tired of it. Please stop. Yeah. I like I like the conflicts that are going on, so like I don't mind it too much. The thing that truly made me uncomfortable was Hermione and Hiram. Yes. Everything 100%. else I'm like, okay, oh, fully. Cheryl, you know what? Cheryl does need help. You mm-hmm. know? Maybe this isn't happening the way it does, but Cheryl needs a reality check. Jughead, I like the the discussion of class inequality, you mm-hmm. know, things that are going on there. I'm excited to see Jughead triumph over DuPont and Brett. Like these are things that I can handle. With Hermione Hermione and Hiram and Veronica, there's so much emotional abuse there that I know the show doesn't know mm-hmm. or recognize that I'm like, no, this genuinely makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of Charles thoughts that I want to discuss when we get to the Betty storyline. Okay. Um, but we are doing five storylines today and we are going to start with Cheryl. And I wrote the summary for that. Oh, Cheryl. Here we go. Cheryl is having nightmares about her creepy dead brother, Julian, and her whole family forcing her to give him her body. I'm thrilled to see a glimpse of my good Penelope Blossom, even in the form of a phantasmagoria. (laughs) (laughs) We find out that Cheryl has missed a lot of school, but Tony finally convinced her to go. Uh, but only, Cheryl only agrees after locking that little demon doll in a circle of salt. Dagwood somehow gets a hold of a ping pong ball (laughs) and tries to swallow it, so Cheryl gets called out of class anyway to handle it. Why are these babies being watched by Nana Rose? Hello? Is anyone here? Cheryl suspects Ghost Julian tried to kill the baby. The real sure. <laughs> the real Phantasmagoria appears in the form of her aunt and uncle and their creepy silent son. <laughs> I have so many questions about him. <laughs> They're here to, se- to sell the maple syrup farm and Tony is all for it. The money could give them an opportunity for a fresh start. Cheryl considers it, but she's still hesitant to give away her family's legacy. Cheryl tries to then excise the the demon from the doll by drowning it. Uh, and then I'm just like, okay. Uh, Pull the trigger and make her a witch, you cowards. Shoni finds creepy Uncle Bedford roaming around the chapel in the middle of the night, and he threatens to expose Cheryl for um, keeping her dead brother uh, in the chapel, which honestly, yeah, it's creepy, but um, maybe don't try to choke out and kill your niece? Uh, Tony takes initiative and takes him out first, and, like, it's murder, but good for her. (laughs) They tell Ann Cricket to get stepping, and they... That they don't know where her creepy husband is, and if she wants to snoop, she better bring a warmint. This is going to be bad. Thanks. I, like, was with you, Uncle Bedford, until you started trying to kill Cheryl. Right. When he was like, you need help, I was like, I was like, yes, she does need help. help her, yes. Someone other than Tony is saying this. And And then then he went, like, and I quote, maybe I'll save them the trouble, and I was like, ah, you lost me. I was like, let her go, she's a teenage girl. (laughs) You lost me, sir. Uncle Bedford. Like, the minute he laid his hand on her, I was like... Oh no, I am uncomfy. Mm-hmm. So, can we glean anything from her nightmare about like giving Julian her body? Like, is there any foreshadowing to take from that, or is it just a nightmare? Well, as much as I want Riverdale to like loop in some of the supernatural elements from Sabrina, I feel like they're gonna back away from it again. Yeah. Um. So I feel like it's really just this is just gonna be another thing that. Uh, plagues Cheryl's psychologically, mm-hmm. uh, which is very frustrating to me because I would like her to just rest. I agree. I definitely don't think that the doll is haunted. No. As much as I personally do believe in ghosts, I don't think they're doing ghosts on this show. Like I wish all they of the, would. Yeah, all of the supernatural stuff is saved for Sabrina. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's what's happening. I think it might have something to do with uh the boy which is the about the email the email that we got not some yes 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 yes, yes. someone like living in the walls someone living in the walls yeah or 
whatever. Which I, like, genuinely think is canon now. Like, there has to be someone in that house. Or it's, like, Nana Rose being weird, or, like, you know, our friend Darius is gonna show up again, and he's gonna be like, justice for Darius, you've been pranked, bro. So when he commits a crime, he's gonna, like, refer to himself in the third person? Right. Justice for Darius. Justice for Darius. Gotcha. Yeah. So she's worried about her family, so she's going to put Julian in the salt circle, and she really does believe it'll work. I mean, I saw in Hocus Pocus that it works. Yeah. If if he hadn't moved, she would have been like, I'm a genius. Right? I mean, probably. You know? Like, if he had been, like, a doll and just sat in there, you know, not Toy Story. She'd be like, I saved all <laughs> our lives. Toy Story. Yeah. Because for some reason we're in Toy Story. <laughs> Maybe that's the solution. Riverdale really is just Disney, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Riverdale switches to Disney Plus immediately. <laughs> Everything is a lot. You know what? Maybe kids would actually have frank discussions about, like, unprotected sex then. Oop. Mm. Mm. Or maybe just have less unprotected sex. Yeah, that too. Uh, we don't know that it's unprotected, but we also don't know that it's protected. So yeah, we'd yeah. love to have a chat about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, which yeah, apparently yeah. is coming up in two episodes. The first one mm-hmm. after the hiatus, I guess, because next week after after next week's episode is supposed to be a hiatus. You know how I know we're old? We're excited for an adult to have a sex talk with a teenager. Yeah. 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 I just feel like if he was an inanimate object, which he is, but if he was and she had just left him there and he would have stayed in the salt circle, she'd be like, hello, I'm so smart. When in reality, he's an inanimate object. Like, he he was never going to move anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know, Nana Rose is like, ha ha. (laughs) Ha ha. This demon is stronger than salt. I wish that... Nana Rose had stayed in her wheelchair, and then if this was Nana Rose, then she would have, like... Then the reveal the would reveal, have been, like... Such a big reveal! The reveal would have been that she could stand, and it was her all along. Right. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, we are not allowed to have things like that. Yeah. No. So, Cheryl gets called to the principal's office. She goes to see Miss Bell, sure. and she... Miss Bell tells her all of this, like, medical problem and, like, there's a family emergency that's happening in front of, like, the other students in the office. I'm like, how do you even have all this information? Like, did someone give you that information on the phone? Because they're not supposed to do that. Yeah, also she didn't even say, like, who called. Like, oh, yeah. In reality, she would be like, you have a phone call, and then Shira would get on the phone and then be told what happened. You know what I mean? But I mean, like, of course, for, like, expediency and, like, exposition exposition's sake. They just did it here, but I was like, well, this is weird. This isn't how I went to school. How would a baby swallow a ping pong ball? Like, genuinely, his esophagus is too small. Right. Like, how would he even get the ping pong ball in his little mouth? Right. The, I'm, the, I'm confused. I mean, kids are weird, though. I want to show the tic-tac on my nose. <laughs> Marbles. <laughs> Marbles? Yeah. Great. Mom's got a picture. I don't know where it is, though. I shoved a bean up my nose. A bean? Yeah. Why you do that? I don't know. Okay. Can explain. Um, we learned about Dr. Saperstein, who I don't think we've heard about before. Uh, Not Dr. Patel, not Dr. Masters. Actually, you have heard of Dr. Saperstein before. I guess. He's Jean Raffio and Mona Lisa's dad. Yes. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Maybe he's the children's doctor. The, uh, what's it called? Pediatrician. Probably. Yeah. But I also do feel like at some point we've heard of Dr. Saperstein in this show. I feel like I would have remembered because he was John Ralphio's dad. <laughs> oh, that's true. And we would have made this joke before and then you would yeah. have said, you made that joke last time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what I sound like, obviously. <laughs> no one said I was good at impressions. So Julian is sitting with Jason now. Who moved him? I mean, that's the big question of her storyline. Jason. Y'all, Jason fully got up. Got that doll and went and sat back down. He was like, like, sorry, this is actually... This is my comfort item. You know what? I'm just gonna make the same joke. That would make me feel better because... This is my emotional support puppet. Yeah. Ugh. 
That would make you feel better. Why? It would make me feel better because, like, the fact that Jason keeps changing clothes, like, implies that they, like, strip him down. Yeah. And I'm like, but he's dead, y'all. Yeah. That's a dead boy. Cheryl says to them, don't move, either of you. Cheryl, come on, man. Get some help. What? What's going on here? Like, at this point, does she talk to him as if, like, does he talk back to her in her head? You know? Ugh, maybe. What's happening here? She really does need psychological help. I wish we could see what was going on in her head because, cause like, I really liked, after hearing all these things about the farm and how, like, you can talk to people who are dead or whatever, or, like, this room is, like, magic or whatever, when we finally got Betty in there and we finally got, like, what everybody's been seeing, you know, and it turned out mm-hmm. to just be Polly, obviously, but, right. but it, it answered a bunch of questions. Like, I have so many questions about Cheryl that she's just not talking about, you know? I just wish that someone was allowed to be gay on this show and be normal. Yeah. Right. Like, Charles is, like, hooking up with his old literal murderer boyfriend. Maybe. Kevin joined I have, a, I have yeah. a theory. Kevin joined a cult. Tony's cool living with a dead body, and Cheryl's just off her rocker. Moose left for the army because people were bullying him. Well, that was actually the that's, smartest that's fair. that yeah. LGBT yeah. character did on this show so far. Yeah, Joaquin joined the gargoyles and then died. Yes. Yeah, oh, like, and stabbed Archie. Yeah. yeah, like, why is no one allowed to be gay and kind of stable? Yeah. Right, it's really, it's, it's really frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. there's an abundance of gay characters, but they're, they're all just bad. Yeah. Things are bad. So we meet uh, three of Cheryl's relatives. I can't remember if this is, they were, like, the exact actors that we had in season one when all of Cheryl's relatives came to visit. Oh, you right, recall this she episode? made that weird move on Archie because she looked like Jason, and I was like, Hello? Yeah. yeah. And or he, he like, stood like up for her right? twice, and she was like, oh, am, I'm supposed to like men. This one's nice to me. Guess I'll go for it. <laughs> right. And then she learned what was actually going on. But, so we have Aunt Cricket, which, like, is actually, like, kind of a cute name. That's a really sure, cute sure. name. <laughs> like, it's kind of a name for, like, a cute dog, but <laughs> go for it. That is a great dog name. She has uh, Uncle Bedford and their Draco Malfoy-ass, smug-ass weirdo son. Ooh, does he have a name? <laughs> he does. I looked him up on IMDb, and his name is Foster. No, it's not. Cricket, his name is Foster, Foster and Bedford. That is a great name for a creepy Draco Malfoy kid. Like, there's no way that he's not going to, like, become something this season, and I'm pumped. You think? Like, he literally, like, showed up in, like, three scenes and then just, like, left. He had no lines. Like, he has to be something. Oh, yeah, there'd be no point in hiring an actor for that. It would just be the aunt and uncle otherwise. Exactly. There has to be something to go go on with, with Foster, and... There's no way that Cheryl will call him Foster. She's going to call him Cousin Foster. Oh, oh for course. sure, Cousin yeah, Foster. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, I they feel like they're going to go head-to-head mm-hmm. with some some creepy stuff. Yeah. Her- Cheryl, what if you went head-to-head with some antipsychotics? Yeah. Speaking of psychotics, uh, uh, Phantasmagoria. <laughs> what in the hell? I live for the level of extra that Cheryl strives for in her vocabulary. I had Where to, did she learn these things? I had to look she it up. Reads. I was like, did she make that up? She didn't. No, it's a word. not. She, I feel like it's canon that Cheryl does read a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like this like side of her where she's like taking everything that she knows from her abundant time reading mm-hmm. uh, and just peppering her, her vocabulary with, with things such as phas- Phantasmagoria, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. If she's reading so much, why doesn't she read the DSM-5? Oop! Um, because, Psychology book. Oh. Because she uh, is... is 
sick. Yeah, I'll do it. So they had mentioned that whenever they stay in Thistle House, they like go down to the chapel and talk to the ancestors. So does that mean they stayed in Thistle House during season one when they were here? I mean, probably because like there would be Thornhill, which is the main house, and then Thistle House, which is like I guess the side house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. Yeah. So now they're like, oh, can we go down there? And Cheryl starts being very, very suspicious. Like, she was like, yeah, sure, we can, like, maybe sell the business. And then they did one thing that was, like, kind of a normal thing to do, to be honest, because they do it all the time. She started screaming at them, being very suspicious, and now she's like, no, and now we're also not selling the business. I'm like, I was like, girl, I kind of, it was so nice to see normal Cheryl for a minute. I kind of wanted them to sell the business. I mean, Tony was smart. She says, like, we can have a new fresh start. And Cheryl's like, yeah, maybe. And now she's like, no, ah, you're trying to take away my weird thing. Right. I'm like, well, if you were not so obsessed with your dead brother's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, weirdo. She also thinks that Julian, like the doll, brought her family to her. Yeah. Like, she How? thinks that he's like doing, he, he's like, like not only is he the puppet, he, she thinks he's the puppet master. Like she thinks this doll is pulling the strings. It's weird. Yeah. I want her to get help. Like I, I want this person to be okay. And she's just... They're probably going to skate right on by it. But I'm just like, Cheryl, psychologically, remember when she used to send Josie dead animal parts? Yeah. yeah. I will never forget. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I just want better for her, both her and Tony. Cause like they're great characters and this is just bad writing yeah. in my opinion. Um, I will say I do like about this scene that Cheryl is being very clearly and openly a lesbian mm. in front of her family. family. I don't know, it just stood out to me because of the way she and Tony were sitting, and I was just like, Gay good, good for you. Yeah, because, like, some people would just be uncomfortable and, like, feel the need to, like, not be how they normally are mm-hmm. with their yeah. significant other in front of their family. But exactly. Cheryl was just like, no, this is this is my partner, and I'm including her in this conversation. Right. So she drowns the doll, and then when you see the doll later, he's out of the tub and also not wet. Do you think there's multiples of that doll? I don't know. Okay, Tom Haverford, when did you join the podcast? (laughs) No! I just, like, maybe my polygraph would go to Nana Rose and be like, Nana Rose, what are you doing? (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I don't trust Nana Rose as far as I can throw her. Yeah. So they say that Cheryl's going through a psychotic break. I mean... Duh. Are they wrong? Yeah. No, they're not wrong. I was on their team until they started threatening her. Right. He says that there's a sickness in the bloodline. He knew that there was a sickness in the bloodline. Oh, that's called incest. It's it's definitely incest. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's incest. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's gross and bad. And, Mm. and the, uh, uh, like, both of Cheryl's parents turned out to be, be uh, murderers. Yeah. So, like... And now, Tony, congrats, you've joined the ranks. Welcome to the Blossom family, Tony. You're officially a part of the team. Legitness. Um, But, like, honestly, while Cheryl keeping this doll, I mean, keeping her brother there is is very indicative that she is unwell, it's not really a crime either, is it? Because, like, wait, it has to be a crime to have someone's dead body floating around your house. I think that- I mean, but it's, like, her family. I can't- So, like, people keep ashes in their house. Yeah, but that's not, like, a rotting corpse that's a health hazard. Oh, no, fully. It's disgusting and terrible and horrible and she's very unwell, but, like, of the crimes committed by the Blossom family, this is either not a crime or very, very low on the list of crimes. Yeah, I can't- I cannot say that I am, like, on Bedford's side. Like, if he had been a little bit more- uh, or, sorry, a little bit less- 
murdery, mm-hmm. then maybe mm-hmm. I would be on his sure, side. Sure, sure. But yeah, I yeah. think my main problem, and I know that, I mean, I don't think Uncle Bedford knew Jason that well, but, like, if that happened to my family, which, like... <laughs> Fingers crossed it doesn't. Um, (laughs) But if that were to happen to my family, my main problem would be like, this isn't what Jason wants. Jason should be laid to rest with with dignity and respect. And so I think my main problem wouldn't be necessarily that it's a crime, which like, like somehow it should be. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, what's the thing? It's like, isn't that desecration? Desecrating a dead body or something. I know she's treating him like nicely or whatever, but like still it's like something weird is going on here. But like my main problem would be like, you're not treating him the way that he would want to be treated in like posthumously, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just, uh, disrespectful. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Um, and, and I, I agree if I was somehow weirdly in this situation, mm-hmm. I w- would feel the same as you, mm-hmm. but I don't get that vibe from Bedford. Mm. I think he just wants to punish Cheryl for doing something weird. Like yeah. his, his vibe is just very, he's, he's very creepy uncle, you know? Yeah. My thing also is that like, he says like the, that she's a crazy person and they're going to have her declared unfit so that they can have like everything she is unfit she oh oh, 100 she is yes but he says they're gonna have her declared unfit and then they're gonna take all her stuff so like coming down here and seeing this he should literally just be like okay so you're messed up yeah um great click click bye and then take it to the lawyer and then everything would be fine the fact that he's like also i'm going to commit a crime now and then i'll like now now i'm also unfit like yeah, I, th- that part didn't make sense to me. I like, was right. I was with him until then, you know? Betty was out here worried about her serial killer gene, and Cheryl really should have been worried about her family's whole incesty murder. Is it also a serial killer gene in that case? Eh. Well, they oh, are related. Well, yeah, they certainly are related. So. Yeah, could my be. My mind was just a balloon. I don't, I wouldn't, yeah. So, I mean, Penelope anyway, wasn't, like, technically a blossom, but Clifford was. Yeah. yeah. But hey, shout out to Tony. She did what she had to do. Yeah. I hope she doesn't go to jail for it. Yeah. What Did I just read it wrong or was he implying that they were going to put Cheryl in jail? Um, I think they were going to put her in some sort of like mental institution. Exactly. Like she would, she would go to some, a recovery uh, or a hospital. Uh, yeah. I just, for some reason to me, it read like he was, he wanted to throw her in jail for this. And that's mm. why I guess I focused on the crime aspect. Right. Um, well, now I gotta know. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> he's like, he's like, they're gonna put you away for a long time. And which, which is normally mm-hmm. in my brain, that means jail. I think he means in a very uh, bouncy room. Keeping a dead body <laughs> at home is something that is Googled so much. I Googled is keeping and that was one of the top results. I was literally oh, about to be no. like, Brittany, your, your search history. <laughs> you know what? I'm a writer. You know? I recently an excuse. Uh, listened to a podcast about um, this guy, like, I don't know, back in the 40s or something, who, like, got so obsessed with this woman and then that he was going to, like, cure her tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And then when he couldn't and she died, he, like, spent a bajillion years just, like, trying to make her look like she, like, you know, basically like Snow White, like she was just right. sleeping. You know? Yike. And I think, I can't remember if he, I think he did go to, I think he got charged but, um, like, all the people in the town or something were like, he has good intentions, and then he didn't go to jail, or something like no. that. Yeah. Oh, boy. Do you have any uh, any updates, Brittany? There is, like, okay, so after someone dies legally, there is a certain amount of time that you have before you have to, like, contact someone, you know, of course, depending on your culture, your beliefs, or anything, but to contact someone about keeping them at home, and then one of the things is, like, it has to be embalmed or refrigerated, 
Well, I'm sure Jason was embalmed because man, whoever embalms Jason, ground, right? what's good, uh, Doctor Curdle Senior? You did a great job, I guess. <laughs> Can we talk about Doctor Curdle Junior? I mean, like <laughs> in the flash forward when we got like the thing in the coroner's office, it literally like the like lower third said like the coroner's office. I'm like, so you're telling me this is Doctor Curdle Junior? Because he's the coroner. Like, you're telling me this is Dr. Curdle Jr. Why don't we care about how Dr. Curdle Jr. feels about Jughead being dead? Because <laughs> they knew each other personally, and Jughead has come into his office multiple times to bribe him and also accuse him of things. <laughs> I'm just saying that we need to talk more about Dr. Curdle Jr. and where he is. Where do you think he is, Robin? I think he's at the coroner's office. We're just ignoring him. <laughs> I'm sad. Where's the flash forward? Of Dr. Curdle Jr. Hello? So he gonna, he's gonna testify yeah. in the trial. Jughead, he's like, I was there. He was like, uh, yes, I can confirm that Betty's DNA is uh, on this uh, dead body they're of, gonna, of Jughead Jones, and they're gonna be like, objection! This man is an untrustworthy witness. They'll be like, why? He just gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I don't like them. So Aunt Crickard and Crickard, mm-hmm. I got Cricket in Bedford. <laughs> Aunt Crickard. Aunt Crickard. So Anne Cricket doesn't know where Bedford is. She's like, have you seen my husband? And they're like, weird, no. <laughs> Never in our lives. She needs, she needs a search warrant from the local constable. And she also says, good luck with that. So she th- does she trust FP with that? Like, has she called FP and been like, don't give my aunt a search warrant to my house? And he'd be like, why? And she'd be like, no reason. Don't ask. <laughs> like, I'm like, hello? Yeah. I don't know, I she, thought it was weird that she, like, seemed to trust FP. Right, like, she's awful brave to, like, even bring up getting a warrant. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a difference between Archie being like, yeah, try and call the cops, because my, because the the sheriff is my best friend's dad and also my next door neighbor. Right. And there's a difference between Cheryl, who doesn't really, who, like, was a serpent, I guess, but not even really at the same time as FP. Yeah. And, like, trusting that FP isn't going to be like, yeah, that place probably does need a search. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just, like, it's just bold of her to even tell Cricket to get a warrant. Because, like, being like, sure, you can snoop around my home. I have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. Is very, like, even if you've hidden a body somewhere, is, like... Okay, I, I believe your lie. But telling someone to go get a warrant is immediately like, so what have you done? That's that's my thing is like, especially with the flash forward last episode, when someone comes in and says, I, I, I'm arresting you for murder. If you're innocent, you say, what? No. If you're pretending you're innocent, you say, what? No. You know, like if you're guilty, you're probably pretending you're innocent. So you go, what? No. In what world does someone say you're arrested for murder and you just go, Okay. Mm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I finished Googling and I cannot find an answer because it turns out no one has done this. Told you, it's not a crime. It's just that, like, from what I can tell, no one has, like, exhumed a body and then lived with it. Everyone's Mm. just like, there are certain cultures where, like, you can actually, like, you know, 12 years people will keep a body at home. Right. And then there's some places where, like, you know, they choose, like, up to three weeks, you know, to to sort of, like, help with the grieving process and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, no one's done this. Okay. So I don't know what the legality is. Okay. I'm I'm scared to say that I think it might be legal what she's doing. Mm. It's but, legal. you know, if someone's it's smart, um, tell us. Um, I think my last question for the storyline is just, like, where do you guys think they stashed Uncle Bedford? Like, is he sitting up right next to Jason now? No, I don't think they put him on display, no. Because mm-hmm. when, uh, there there's a thing in Archie's storyline where there's, like, a rug and somebody is, like, it's a bloody rug and somebody is, <laughs> I thought, 
I thought it could have been Dwayne the Shady Man, like, after they had gotten his body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that it could have been Uncle Bedford. I didn't expect it to be Dodger. No. But, uh, but, so after that, I was like, oh, it's Uncle Bedford. And then it wasn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I lived my life. <laughs> and then when I was doing my notes, I was like, wait, where's Uncle Bedford? I... He's either in Jason's grave. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. that's a good idea. Uh, or Riverdale is confusing catacombs and chapel, and he's just in a gotcha. coffin. I, yeah, I I don't think Or maybe. What I have ideas. I, I doubt it, but I just feel like the Blossoms are the kind of people who have catacombs. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a, what are those called? Mausoleum. Mausoleum. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay, I have an idea. Okay. I think the body is going to mysteriously disappear. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think it's gonna disappear, and Cheryl and Tony are gonna be like, "Where did the body go?" And they're gonna have like this whole plot line about like where the body's supposed to be, and it's gonna be like whoever is living in the walls, because I'm really into this theory. Uh-huh. Um, AKA Penelope will have taken care of it. Yeah. Or right, because Penelope is missing. Or he turns up alive, and Julian has taken his body. <gasps> he shows up, and he's Julian. Yo, that would be amazing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just want Julian. Julian. Uh, I just want Julian to be like this massive douchebag. You know, <laughs> like he's a teenager. He's like what seventeen? Yeah. Like he. Like I want like Uncle Bedford to show up and he's like, "It's me, Julian." And they're like, "Oh my god, it's Julian, is that you?" He's like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> like he's just an idiot seventeen-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. So who Archie used to be? Oh. No, who Reggie used to be? There you hey, go. There Reggie kind of still is. Oh, yeah. 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 Aw, Reggie. Can we move on? Yeah, Yeah. let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, so now we're going to be doing Archie. I did Archie, so one moment. With Archie's story, I don't have, like, a whole lot of thoughts other than, like... I don't have a lot either. Yeah. Okay. I've got some uh, Reggie Monroe thoughts, actually. Oh, all right. Okay. Listen, if that needs to be the new ship, I'll take it. Because (laughs) I have thoughts. Okay. Okay. All right, Archie. Archie comes up with an idea to save his lost boys by catching them at crimes as his masked self and then turning them into FP as Archie. <laughs> he just does a lot of costume changes, it's really. It's so dumb, Literally. but I love it so much. He sets them up with real jobs around town, and voila, they're off the streets and not working for Dodger. Dodger doesn't love that for him. Weird. Because he doesn't love the Archie stealing his little minions, and so he trashes the community center. FP raids Dodger's arcade on a tip from Archie, but they don't find anything on him, which is weird because I thought Dodger was stupid. Archie asks Toby and Eddie why they keep going back to Dodger, and it basically boils down to video games and food because they're teenage boys. Mm. He has Ronnie set him up with some arcade games. Hiram comes to the center and tries to give Archie money because he feels bad that Fred died, but Archie is smart now and doesn't take it. That's my son. <laughs> I'm so proud. The arcade games aren't enough to keep the kids at the center, so Ronnie provides free Pops food, too. Dodger comes to crash the party and accuses Archie of being the other, other Black Hood. Archie arrives home to his mask stabbed to the door. He tries to get Mary out of the house, but Dodger stops by and shoots out the front windows. Archie and Mary are fine, but Archie decides to go to Hiram for some shady help. Hiram turns him down? However, the next day, Archie and Reggie find Dodger beaten up and dumped behind the community center. Archie calls for help immediately because he's a good boy. Can I tell you an anecdote? About I would my love to hear Absolutely. One. So I think it's funny that Archie, do you guys think that he's doing these costume changes like multiple times throughout the evening? Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. every okay. time he gets a kid. So um, I went to theater school. Naturally. No way. Yeah. I didn't and, know this about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a, a musical called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. You it sure did. It's probably my favorite show I've ever been in. It was super, super fun. Um, I played Edwin Drood. Yeah, I was going to say, hmm, who did you play? <laughs> Not the title character. What's Titular. it called? Titular character. <laughs> but 
near the end of the show, I have to do a bunch of costume changes, like, at once, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, for... Basically, you're getting, like, in and out of drag, is what you're trying to say? For the beginning of the second act, I am in, like, an old man costume, okay? okay. But but underneath my old man costume, I have a corset, because at some point I need to take off my old man costume on stage and show that I'm a lady, okay? Yeah. Then I have to run backstage to do a, a super quick costume change in which I put on a full dress, a full wig, a full hat, like a purse, heels, like this whole thing just to literally just like walk across the stage and out of the theater, okay? Yeah. Then I have to walk downstairs. Then I have to completely change my outfit again. It was probably the most times, like doing that show within a two week period, I had changed more times than probably the past like six months. That's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, I just did so many costume changes and in such a short amount of time that, like, Archie doing this flip, I was like, been there, my man. (laughs) (laughs) I know how hard that is. Respect. Been there. Yeah. So So. what do we think about Archie uh, rehabilitating, rehabilitating, why can't I say that word? Rehabilitating these kids via kind of catching them and, like, making them nervous about the police, but then actually, like, giving them opportunity. I think it's brilliant. Um, It's probably my favorite thing Archie has ever done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I loved the montage at the beginning of this episode that sort of showed his, like, his whole little system. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief that he's doing all of this on an hour of sleep uh, because I enjoy it. (laughs) I... Still think that the storyline that I'm most interested in is the Jughead storyline currently, Mm -hmm. but Archie's storyline, weirdly enough, is the one I enjoy the most. Right. Because it's silly, but it's also, like, got heart to it. It's got heart, and it's not, like, the bad guys in it are very clearly the bad guys, Mm -hmm. and it's not- It's easy to understand. Yeah, it's easy (laughs) to understand. It's, like, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, like, we know who we're supposed to root for. And that's- that's not to say that, like, we're stupid and we want, like, mustache-twirling villains. No, no, it's no. It's that this show often conflates the villains with, like, I mean, basically this show has Hiram on it and he's annoying. And they also, they flip-flop so many times. Right. Like, I know I'm going to talk about Charles for 13 billion years this episode, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, he's good, then he's bad, and then it's like, but is but is he actually good? But then actually he's bad. You know, like it's flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop. And with yep. Archie's storyline, it's like, I know who's bad and I know who's good. Yep. Right. It's and like it, Brett and Jughead. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like watching a sport. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. like, like I know the rules. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, I yeah. yeah. But on, in the other storylines, I'm just like, this is a mess. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's like so sophisticated that we can't understand it. It's that it's not it's sophisticated it's, yeah. and it's very confusing. Yeah. yeah, it's that it actually really is a whole mess. Right. right. So I, I enjoy Archie's storyline because, like, I feel like him being, like, a little vigilante, like, hero, like, sticking up for kids is exactly who he was always supposed to be. And, like, it's such a noble cause, too, that I feel like it's a really good way to honor Fred. And I also just, it's also still very rooted in being in high school, mm-hmm. which I feel like... Veronica and Betty especially is less rooted in in that 
which makes it hard for me to enjoy theirs as much right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like that it's like quintessential Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Veronica's storyline makes me want to freaking scream. Tea. So starting at the beginning here, uh, I would like to talk to you about High School Musical today. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you. So on this podcast, I've talked about High School Musical before, especially comparing Archie to Troy Bolton, who's the main character on High School Musical. Um, luckily, Disney Plus is now out. And if you have Disney Plus, you can watch High School Musical 1 and High School Musical 3. Weirdly enough, not High School Musical 2. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that High School Musical 2 is now out on Disney+. Plus. I have no idea why it wasn't out in the first place at the beginning of the launch, but either way, all three of them are now on Disney+. Plus. So if you have it, I hope that you will watch it and uh, tweet me your thoughts if you haven't seen it before. Even if you have seen it before, High School Musical is one of my favorite things in the entire world. It like just brings me joy and nostalgia, and it's just like something that is positive uh, in my life that I can always turn to. So if you guys have thoughts, I would love to hear all of uh, about it. Um, yeah, anyway, it's all on Disney+. Plus. Go check it out. Thanks, bye. So anyway, High School Musical. So anyway, High School Musical. Um, one of the first scenes in High School Musical, basically High School Musical about these two kids mostly. Oh, here we go. Troy Bolton and Gabriella Montez. Okay, so they meet each other on the ski, well, they're not on the ski slopes, but they're at a ski lodge with their families for Christmas break, okay? their parents are rich. Yes, and it is New Year's Eve, and they have to go to this party, because it's New Year's Eve, and the parents want to go do something else, so they're like, go to this teen's party, and they're like, okay, I'll go to the teen's party. So they both go to the teen's party, they're doing their own thing, and they're doing karaoke at the teen's party. And basically, they start choosing people at random, because nobody is volunteering to be at to be to be doing karaoke. If I got if I got volunteered like slash voluntold, I would leave. Yeah, I would I'd be absolutely like, get leave. out of my face. I'm leaving. Yeah. So basically, they randomly choose Troy and Gabriella. They both have to go up there and sing a song called "Started Something New." But before "Started Something New" starts, the MC or whatever gives them the microphones and hands them and says to them something like, "One day you're gonna thank me for this." I got to sing. I can't. Sing. No, guys. Hey, you know what? Someday, someday you guys might thank me for this. Or not. And Archie handcuffs the kid to the steering wheel and says, You'll thank me someday. That's what you were going for. That was... Those two... That very common phrase used in two things. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see it. I see you. I understand. Mm -hmm. I respect it. And also thank you, Ridiculous. Yeah, that, yeah, that sums it up. That that sums it up. Because, you know, if I have the opportunity to make something else about something that I also enjoy, mm-hmm. I'll do it. Yeah, so that's I respect true. you. Thank that's you. true. I will yep. also do it. Yeah. So I guess Eli was busy this episode, so they mostly had Reggie take his place. Yeah, I guess. He, yeah. There's probably something also with, like, their contracts, contracts and, yes. like, the amount of episodes that they can each be in. Yeah. And uh, Reggie actually brings it up later in the episode, which I would love to talk to you about because I have <laughs> winkity wink thoughts about it. Please bring those up. So, uh, FP says that they found drugs at the arcade, like, on the kids, but they have nothing on Dodger. Like, Dodger doesn't own the arcade. He just chills there. So where does he keep the drugs? Yeah. Because he has to have a stash. Like, he can't just be on the kids. Right. One of the complaints that I had about last episode was fixed this episode. Which was which? It was the fact that they keep giving us random new kids. This episode, we had Toby and Eddie back. Yeah, I think they just had to establish, like, the cast of kids that we were going to get to know. 100%, yeah. because otherwise they were just going to keep giving me new ones, and I am i don't care about the next one. You know what I mean? I, I don't care, care about, about any of them. All these kids. I do, too. I would like, um... I just don't have any, like, you know, emotional connection to them if they just keep changing. You know yeah. I mean? 
I would like one of these kids to be a girl. Mm. Yeah, there's Just a lot of there girls. are girls there. There are definitely yeah. girls at the at the center. Like they they've shown up multiple times. But I just I want Archie to help all the youth of Riverdale. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah, like Toby or Eddie could have very easily been a girl as well. Yeah, and I also think it's weird that we're not talking about Macklemore. <laughs> I mean, but really, where did that kid go? Yeah, like he was important for one episode and then he wasn't anymore. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So they, uh, Toby and Eddie say that Dodger pays them. But what I didn't realize until I did my notes today was that he said, they say that he pays them in money for the arcade. Yeah. Like quarters for the arcade. Yeah. They get paid in food and video games. That's all they get. So it's not money. So it's not free video games. Because you worked for it. Right. Like, yeah, but to a teenage uh, brain, those are free. But, so, like... I'm confused. So they don't get free video games at all? No. Dodger they, doesn't even own the... No. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, hey, they also get pizza. I guess. I guess. So... Just go home. They can't. That's the whole point. Do they... Are... I refuse to believe that the amount of kids in Riverdale that are homeless is this high. Excuse me. Riverdale has three high schools. One... Hotel. Where'd you get one, the third one? Stonewall? Stonewall's not in Riverdale. Yeah, yeah but it's all about the gargoyles. Yeah, yeah, but they only just established that this episode. That's true. No, because they didn't know who the gargoyle king was. I know, but And they, plus it's a boarding school. They didn't give a location, so I went with what I heard. I assumed it was nearby okay. also. Yeah. Well, nearby, but not in Riverdale. Anyway, I think that the whole point of, like, the kids is that they they have bad home lives that lead them to the community center. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I mean, that could be down to all of the fallout from Hiram last season. Yeah. So, speaking of Hiram, uh, thanks for your condolences, but, uh, you suck. Yeah, go and, away, uh, you butthead. Get like, Stefan, creep. The fact that he didn't take his money. Oh, I'm so You proud. are so learning. Because, like, that would have been tempting. Right. Oh, for sure. I would have been like, thanks, bro. It's like, I don't need your money. I have my girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that might still be your money too, but some of it isn't. Yeah. Dodger knows he's the one in the mask um, now. How? Did he see a little bit of ginger or? I don't know. He. I mean, it's pretty clear. Yeah. I guess Especially when it's like Archie's the main person who's antagonizing him. Yeah. So I don't know why Archie thought that that was going to be. I don't know where this plotline's going, which uh, kind of makes me happy because every new thing that happens, I'm like, oh, okay, I can go along with this. Why yeah. not? So Archie's mask, I don't know if it's the exact same mask, but it's like in the door with a knife. I'm yeah. like, yo, did Mary not hear that being placed in the door? Just right. Oh my god, no, Dodger just put it in very quietly, just like, like oh my yeah. god, she can't hear us, she has AirPods on. <laughs> so they shoot up Archie's house. Yike. That's not cool. His mom's in there. Right. Yeah. I would just like to take this moment to say I would take a bullet for uh, both Mary and Archie Andrews at this point. Thank you. Yeah, I understand. Um, I would not do that. Fred's but... house. Yeah. They shot up Fred's house. Yeah. Fred built that house, oh. I'm assuming. Probably. He probably did. He probably oh. helped. Oh. And then they shot up Fred's house. And now I'm really sad. Yeah. Well, it didn't seem like there was, like, so much damage that, like, it wasn't an explosion or anything, you know? Like, they could probably fix it. But they're not going to be able to live there for a while. Someone yeah. shot it up. Like, they're in danger now. Where are they going to put Mary? Yeah. So he goes to Hiram. And Hiram even says, shouldn't you be going to FP? Like, if FP, like, shouldn't, shouldn't you be able to see that FP can now help because your house has bullets in it? Like, there's more evidence here. Yeah. Right? Is there fingerprints right. on the knife? You know, like, there's more evidence. And he's also your next door neighbor, so not only does he, like, have an emotional attachment to you, but also it, oh, yeah. like, it's also his family that's also in danger because he's right. literally next door. 
Right. Like, he has reasons to want to help you. FP's like, yo, sorry, I was busy with another storyline. Yeah. That one involved a dead body, mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't have time for this right now. Yeah. Yeah. I have thoughts on this, but I also had thoughts just based on Brittany going, where are they going to put Mary? Mm-hmm. I would like them to put her up at the five seasons and then for her to somehow help Hermione get out of her terrible, loveless marriage. Thank you. Yeah. I just want her to adopt Veronica at this point. Oh, yeah. Also that. But, yeah, I, I agree. He should really be able to just go, um, hello, neighbor Sheriff Dad. Can you arrest someone, please? I think you'll find his name is Sheriff Daddy. Oh, you correct. Or Sheriff That is Dilf. correct. That Thank is correct. You. I, I'm so sorry for my, my mistake. Yeah, I don't... If you, I think oh, it sounds better if you say Officer Dilf. Officer Dilf? Officer Dilf. I'll allow Sheriff it. Daddy. I'll allow it? Okay, yeah. done. So Hiram says he won't help, but he does? I think because he can't... Like, so why does he say that? Like, just to save face? I think so that Archie can not be... Archie's um, not going to prove Yeah, that, Archie can't say that he like, did anything. Yeah. Right. Which is like, he needs to keep his, his record clean if he's going to run for mayor and own a right. run business. Yeah. But also it's like, then Archie would be in trouble if he said that he did anything because Archie... Archie's the one who asked for help. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Are you ready for some uh, Monroe Reggie content? Of ready. course. So if Mar- uh, Mad Dog or Monroe and Archie is Marchie, I think that Reg Regro Mon. I want you to know it's Meggie. Meggie. It's Meggie. <laughs> Thanks. Monreggie. No, it's Meggie. Meggie sounds bad. Hate it. Yeah, but so does Phallus. So yeah. <laughs> But we can do something before it starts. We have tried and it won't happen. I'm going to go with Monreggie for right now. Okay. I mean, usually it's the thing that is easiest to say. Like, portmanteaus usually follow, like, a certain, like, phonetic, Mm -hmm. like, pattern. Wait, what if it's Mantlemore? (gasps) Mantlemore? That's cute! Oh my god, that's genius. (laughs) Done. Okay. So not only... Did we think, oh my gosh, Reggie and Monroe have made it up because they're sitting together in the flash forward. They're, they're lab partners, they're friendship, you know? So friendship. So Archie and Reggie get out of the car and Reggie says, when's Monroe back? Like, hey, where's my friend? And Archie goes, like next week. And Reggie goes, and I quote, cool. Hmm. Why yeah. do you want to know Reggie? That is cool, Reggie. I don't know, you guys. I would just be happy if Reggie has a friend, but if it's going to be more than a friend, I'll also be happy with that. You I know? agree. Like, <laughs> people are start gonna, are going to start being like, all of the straight people are queer now. And I'll be like, oh, no. It's like it's like it's a fluid thing. Oh, and oh. weird. <laughs> also, I, I haven't seen a straight person in ages. So. I can't see straight people. <laughs> I don't know straight people. Like, usually your friend group starts to, uh, you slowly start to gain more, uh, gay friends until, you know, it's just, you're all living in a sub-penthouse apartment in Vancouver. Oops, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. They do move in herds. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, they do say that he's gonna be back next week, but they don't actually mention where he is. Oh, yeah, so, they don't. I don't actually know where he is. What's up with that? I don't know. So, carpet with blood. Dwayne Bedford? No, it's Dodger. He's not dead, though, and Archie immediately calls him an ambulance because he's a nice guy. I wonder how that'll affect their relationship going forward. Archie and Dodger? Yeah. Mm. Because he called him an ambulance, and I think Dodger was coherent enough to, oh, think? to understand that. And that was my next question, was was he conscious enough to I, even see that that was I happening? wonder. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how you win. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this will turn out well. Of course, it's Riverdale, so it won't. But, you know, you can hope. Yeah. So those are my Archie thoughts. 
Those are all my Archie thoughts as well. Uh, yeah, I feel good about my Archie thoughts. Okay, great. Uh, hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Could you tell me something about Patreon? I don't know anything about Patreon. Uh, okay. Good <laughs> <laughs> talk. Hey, Sam. Hey, Robin. Can you tell me about Patreon? <laughs> I just have so many questions. Sure. Okay. Patreon is a uh, website where you can find your favorite creators and donate money to uh, help support them in the things that they create that you enjoy. Wow, is there anybody that you know that ha- has a Patreon? Uh, yeah, I sure, I sure know the Fictionados have one. I, think the Try oh, I was about to say Patreon. that. The Try I Guys do. I to make that joke. I, I, uh, I send money to the Try Guys, <laughs> so I know it. Uh, but yeah, the Fictionados have one. Wow, what's the lowest that you can do? I've heard you can do as low as a dollar. Wow, that's not very many. Yes. And like, what do I, I like? What do I get if I become a patron? Uh, you get the podcast at least a day early, sometimes much more. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And is there any special like physical perks that I can get? Uh, if you donate before November sixteenth, November sixteenth, you wait. Get- how do you know that? Hmm. You don't. You said you didn't know anything about Patreon. Oopsie. Oh my god. <laughs> I just. I just. I just. Threw out a date, I gotta say. Whoa, okay. If you donate before November 16th, you get the three-year anniversary postcard. Yeah, breaking character real quick here. <laughs> Apparently I have to. This podcast comes out after November 16th, but uh, we're going to give you till the end of the year. Yeah. Hey. So uh, so uh, go ahead and become a patron. And hey, uh, if I don't want to become a patron on Patreon, is there a way for me to sponsor a, a postcard? Yes, uh, you can make a one-time donation of five Canadian dollars or more to uh, Robin Jeffrey. <laughs> there you go! Great, yeah. Hit, hit her up, I guess. Pays um, for stamps. Great, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What if I can't donate? Uh, you can just, uh, that's that's totally okay. Um, you can uh, share this podcast with your friends and encourage them uh, who have money to donate. <laughs> Find your friends with money and hit them up. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and what's our link? Oh, what's it their is, link? It is patreon.com slash theofficionados. Woo! And it's and, and where where can I find it if I'm lazy? The description of this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great, thanks. Should we talk about Veronica now? Sure. Mostly. Okay. Yeah. Do we uh, have to? So I did the summary for Veronica, and it was the only one I had to do because I was already punished with having to do this mm-hmm. summary, so I only had to do one. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. Thank you. This is the worst storyline. Yeah. I would love to know if any of our listeners like this storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, because none of us in the house do, and we're all confused by it, slash a little creeped out. Well, at the beginning of this episode, I was thrilled by the storyline. I was, like, very excited because it seemed like Veronica was, like, should I save this for after you Yeah, do you want me summary? to do this? I'll do the summary first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. At the Pembroke, the Lodges all sit down to chat. Veronica is understandably hostile to Hiram, who wants them all to keep living together happily. He wants to establish an outpost of his rum business in Riverdale, which we've literally never heard him talk about. Sure, 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 sure. Hermosa is sticking around to help with that. Hiram also wants her to work at the speakeasy. Veronica turns that down because she already has a new employee, Hermione. P.S. You both can leave because this is our house and not yours. Good. Uh- at Le Bon Nui, Veronica explains the ins and outs of how to seat people to Hermione. She mentions that Table 11 sucks, so it's only for enemies. Hermione is overwhelmed, but Veronica believes in her. That evening, Hiram and Hermosa show up, wanting a table, even though they haven't made a reservation. Veronica seats them right at Table 11! <laughs> I love the shade of that. <laughs> in the middle of the night, Hermione is heading to the bathroom, I guess? 
Hiram shows up and weirdly seduces her. It's really manipulative and gross. It's uncomfortable. She says she'll regret it, but she sleeps with him anyway. Eye roll emoji. (laughs) The next day, Veronica comes home to see Hiram's bags back in the house. Hiram reveals... (laughs) This is so stupid. stupid. Hiram reveals that he's back and Hermione explains that she's allowing he and Hermosa to stay there again. Hiram also tells Veronica to stop being jealous of Hermosa, which angers Veronica, obviously. The next day at Pops, Hermosa shows up to invite Veronica to Hiram and Hermione's vow renewal and tells her that Hiram always took care of her and her mother and that he's a good man. I'm not falling for it, and neither is Veronica. Veronica arrives at the Pembroke with pearls on to find Hermosa at a desk. Hiram's desk or a new one, I'm not sure. There's a portrait of Hermosa up. She mentions that Hiram says the you're my favorite script to her too. Veronica decides not to go to the vow renewal. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So two things. Well, well, Sam had thoughts first. So sorry. So my thoughts on this are I super was enjoying it at the very beginning of this mm-hmm. episode. I was thrilled. To we see. cheered. Yeah, yeah, we like I was literally looked around after that first scene and at the rest of the apartment and was like, I'm so happy. This is make, making me so happy. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm very much not happy. Uh, so I was just really excited to see Hermione, though, uh, Veronica, to see Veronica standing up for herself and just like taking that ground and, like, literally just basically holding up a boombox with the classic JoJo hit, Get Out, Leave. Yeah. Uh, yes! <laughs> Stay out. Right now. Leave. Uh, and then, um, it all, it, it all disintegrated in, in, after one of those shows, like, it's, ugh. I'm just really frustrated because this is the first time, well, yeah, basically, this is the first time that the show has given an adult ship a scene that risque. That um, yeah, that explicit. Yeah. yeah, which is like we've seen Tom and Sierra together. Yeah, but, but it was like sweet, right? Yeah. It was just like soft. Mm-hmm. And FBNL is of course, but uh, that but, was like, a lot of exposition and not really about the actual relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like horribly torn because I'm like, oh, good, they're finally finally letting the adults like actually kiss. And let the adults Right. <laughs> but it was so horrible that I was like, I feel disgusting. I hate this. Everything is terrible. And it just ruined um the rest of the storyline and sent Hermione right back to where she has been the last two seasons, which is like a dark, horrible place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I hate it. Thanks. They're not doing anything with Hermione. This is this is the exact same plot from season two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where like you're kind of confused about where her where Veronica's allegiances are, and then like her parents are like sleeping with each other and doing all of this stuff. And you're like, okay, so what am I supposed to be doing with this story? You right. know? What what what's the goal here? Was that part of your two thoughts that you had? Do you have um, any more? My other thought, I think oh, my other thought was that I'm really mad at that jealous line because, mm. oh, I Ooh, thought yeah. they were Kate. But that's the thing is, like... Right under your skin. She assumes that, and it's like, well, what the hell? Of course she's not jealous. Like, you're just a horrible person. Right. And then that portrait shows up. Yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah, he called me the apple of his eye. Just, like, he literally mm-hmm. just said... Like, like, Hermosa's face at the end, like, she was, like, smiling because Veronica, like, actually seemed jealous. You know, it seems right, like exactly. it's, like, a plot of Hiram and, and Hermosa's to, like, make Veronica jealous or whatever. Or, like, to prove that she loves her father because she's jealous, which, like, also right. isn't even a thing. But my main thought on this storyline, first of all, I also loved the beginning when it turned out that maybe we were finally getting season one Ver- Veronica and Hermione again. Yes. I was so excited. But... 
And here's the thing. After the, like, sedu- seduction scene, I was like, I get it. You know, like, we saw it in the in the trailer. Right. We he, knew it was coming. He's been your husband for many, many years. The man knows how to seduce you, obviously. Yeah, right. You know, he knows what you like. He knows what you're into. He's literally been married to you for a really long time. He knows how to all those buttons. He knows, exactly, yeah. he knows exactly what you want because he's been in a relationship with you for a very long time. Yeah, I sure. get it. Right. For sure. So when she said, I'm going to regret this, I was like, I get it. You know what? Just do what you have to do. But what I didn't expect yeah. <laughs> was for, like, like, genuinely, like, it seems like Hiram just has, like, a magic penis. <laughs> right. He just, like, he just, like, waves it around like a magic wand. <laughs> and now, Hermione's whole perspective has changed. Uh, and everything is different. I'm so confused. Like, I, I was with her when, yeah. like, when, like, she's, like, she finally gave in. I was like, I get it. It's like, sure. Sure. He's here. He's being he's your hu- he he's doing, doing your things husband. that work for you he or whatever. He looks like yeah. Marco Suelos without a shirt on. Right. Yeah. Like there's a he's, lot to there's a lot of layers. He's to very this. convincing. That's his whole thing. I get it. What I didn't get was after that becoming like not even her being like yeah yeah I'm letting him stay, but also we're getting like remarried or whatever. Yeah. I was like, what's going on? I thought that like she would just scratch an itch like one more. Yeah. Like, sure. Sure. Lay. Sure. And they'd be done with each other. And instead, she just, like, went all in. And I'm like, so am I supposed to think that you are an emotional abuse victim? Mm -hmm. Or am I supposed to think that you're a really horrible mother who is knowingly doing this to her child? Because, you know, she's equally as evil as Hiram. Because that's what he implies. And it's like, so in Harry Potter, there's this unbreakable, or not unbreakable vow, sorry. um, This, uh, uh, what's it called? One of the... Unforgivable. Unforgivable curses. Uh, one of them's called the Imperious Curse. And the main thing about the Imperious Curse and why it's so forbidden mm-hmm. is because you're literally taking away people's autonomy and what they feel. I'm and not happy with you right now. Am I wrong? You're why not wrong you at all. Why are you that Hiram's dick is the Imperious <laughs> Okay, stop why it. Why are you doing <laughs> no, this? No, we've moved on. We've moved on from that. <laughs> but, but, like, in Deathly Hallows Part 2 is, like, the first time that we actually see somebody under the Imperious Curse. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, you know, it's like this, yeah. this, like, film that goes over their eyes and, like, this, like, cloud that goes over their head that kind of just makes them, com- like, they're walking through fog. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they just, like, do whatever. And they basically, like, when you haven't given them something to do, they just, like, stand there like Sims. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like, kind of? Like, that, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that conversation they had after she like let Hiram come back and she's like I want to hear it from mom and she's basically just like yes hello Veronica <laughs> like she's like some weird yeah, she's like been brainwashed I'm so like that's what's gross are you an abuse victim right yeah that's what I would like for Riverdale to actually go there and be like hi yes we have been implying this has been abuse mm-hmm. the entire time because which is what I clocked it as it wasn't even it wasn't even implied two. at the end of, at the it, beginning of season three like it was yes. right said. wait Beginning of season two? No, so no, beginning of season three. Yeah, beginning of three, like, and there were hints of it in yeah, season yeah. two. And it's just like, I-, I want to see them actually explore that and, like, help her get out of it and, like, identify it as clearly being abused. But right now I'm just like, is that what they're doing? Or are they just replacing Hermione's personality at every- any given opportunity just to for a plot device? Because that's also <laughs> very Riverdale. Show? I'm so sad. It's I'm just, sad. It's, it's very sad because I was 
just really happy for her at the beginning of this mm-hmm. episode. And now I'm simultaneously scared for her and sad for her and disappointed in her. Yeah. And it's just like... I'm disappointed in the writers. Yeah. Because she's very clearly being sexually abused and manipulated. Yeah. And... If not even abused, like, at the very least, coerced. Yeah. Emotionally and physically, Mm -hmm. and it's just very icky. I really loved Hermione in season one, obviously. But, like, if I have to have, like, mob boss Hermione, my favorite moment was when Archie... I know exactly. You know, yeah, on that, like, weird cliffside where, like, Andre brought them out there and he thought he was meeting with Hiram, but it was actually Hermione. I was like, this is the life that I want Hermione to lead if it has to be a mob boss type thing. Yeah. But she's just, she's just there. It's like... It's like she deserves better. Right. Like, Hermione's not even a real character herself anymore, which is also something that I fear that they're doing to Veronica is they're they no longer yeah they're neither of them are no longer like autonomous characters who have their own power and their own storylines it's all being sucked up by Hiram and it that sucks i don't like it even so hermione was with fred like her fred was probably like hermione's first love and like maybe even her soulmate potentially mm-hmm. you know Agreed. what i mean yeah And we got to see that one moment of her in prison, like, reading his obituary. But, like, Hiram in this episode got to say something about Fred. And we have seen absolutely nothing from Hermione about Fred. Yeah. It's like the show forgot that they were actually, like, in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Which is frustrating beyond all measure. It's so disappointing. That's why this whole storyline, I just hate the storyline. So we've literally never heard him talk about rum, right? Never. I seem to remember some kind of lodge estate. I really think it's just the Blossoms. Like, all I've ever heard about, like, family business in this type of way, like, has been Blossoms. You know what I mean? And I stand by that I think at some point I heard about a lodge wine or something. Sure. So I I, don't know. I mean, I feel like the lodges are in a lot of things that we've probably heard in passing, but I really don't think rum has ever come up. Mm -hmm. I was really expecting him to be like, I am, I'm gonna run for mayor because I like power. That wasn't even brought up this episode. Right. It was just really weird that, like, the reveal there is not, I'm doing the thing I announced last week and starting my campaign. <laughs> it's, I also want to do a rum business <laughs> while running for mayor. Like, how You're many, doing like, too many hustles, and that's my job. Put some back, sir. That's Donald Trump's job. Oop. I'm sorry that it's, it's complete tea. Oop. <laughs> I was making a joke about myself, but... Robin was like, I was comparing this to me, and um, now, now I feel uncomfy. Oh, sorry, I mean, someone who um, puts themselves in political power, but for their own personal gain. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so not the hustles, just the power. The, yeah, just the just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Off, running for office Just power. the uh, crooked-ass stuff. So there's a few things that we can kind of just skip here, just because we've already spoken about it, and it's just kind of like facts, actually, now that I look at them. But Hiram comes in, and he's like, hey, I'm here. And they're like, hey, you didn't get a reservation. And he said, I couldn't miss Hermione re-entering the workforce. He's literally there to humiliate her. You're a bad man. And then she still is just like, guess I'll sleep with him, which is like, fine, whatever. But then, like I've said, the stuff after is the part that really bothers it's It's like he, like, excuse my language, it's like he f***ed her stupid. Okay, but, like, that's actually, like, what it feels like. Right. (laughs) It's gross! It's so gross. It's true, though. Like, it does feel like his dick broke her brain. It's it's disgusting, and I hate it. And until they actually establish that it's abuse, like, what the hell else are we supposed to think? Right. I hate the implications of it. I I just, it it's bad. Yeah. On all levels. (laughs) Yuck. I also, like, Hermosa is literally like, well, at my club, we like, do shut this. Up, get out. 
<laughs> you didn't book a reservation and you're not a special guest. Yeah. Like, sure, she reserves a table for special guests, but you're it's not special. It's because nobody else wants it. Right? Exactly. Because she, she likes everybody too much to give them that table. That's why. I liked her putting that, like, that, that, that whole, like, table 11 thing, like, literally doesn't matter, but it was a really great, like, little detail. Yeah, it was oh, a little dig, and I liked it a lot. Okay, so here we are at the scene. So, this is the middle of the night, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, I guess Hiram, of course, is like, I just come in whenever I want, because, you know. Get a hobby. That's how it be. Get a right. job. But, like, why did Hermione get up? She got up to pee, right? Doesn't she uh-huh. still need to pee? Glass of water? Who knows? She's I don't know. I thought about was she like, in her bedroom though? I, I thought, guess I don't know. It, I think she was going to the kitchen to get a glass of water. It's also sort of she like had water by your bed, or she know? was getting ready for bed and then walked into the bedroom and he was already there. Right, but like, where's Veronica at this point? Hopefully asleep at Archie's. Or she something. was asleep. She wasn't asleep for long. Uh, so they full on. Did they full on get a divorce, or was it still pending? Nah, I think it was still pending. I okay, think they were separated, but okay. not divorced. Okay, that, that, that's going to make it le- a lot less confusing, so I'll take that. So, he says that, he basically says that she has to be his wife or he'll kill her. Like, cool. <coughs> There's, cool, cool, cool. We love abuse. Like, the the little, like, joke is, like, over my dead body, that can be arranged. Like, people say that, you know, it's a joke. I literally said it with him. Yeah. yeah. But... Like, when you actually look into what that actually means, he's threatening to kill her if yeah. she doesn't do this. Yeah, and right. that's why I was, like, a little confused that it's, like, if Hermione is doing this under coercion, at some point should she not say to Veronica, I'm being coerced, abused. threatened. Yeah. Right. I mean, in a perfect world, that would happen. Like she did in, at the beginning of season three. For sure. Like, I just, I'm so confused as to why Hermione looks like an idiot when she's not supposed to be. Because, right. like, my thing is, I always hope that Hermione's playing a long game. Mm-hmm. I always hope that Hermione is going to play ball only so that she can rebel and screw Hiram over later. Yeah. Sure. And they kind of half had her do that, and then she killed Benetta, and then it all got really muddy, and I have no idea what happened after that, because mm-hmm. that season was so friggin' confusing for Hermione. Yeah. And so I'm like, are we just gonna do the same friggin' thing over again? Like, like is this just gonna be the same crap? I just super have not understood Hermione's, like, story since that whole, like deep dive off the weird end with Minetta. Yeah. And it, it just makes me sad because I miss season one Hermione so much. She was an angel. Like cut off Hermione at the at the middle of season three and we can keep her. But at this point, and if you love Hermione, then like I'm happy for you because she was a great character. But at this point, just like I don't want her to die, but like we kind of have to just throw out Hermione because she's too confusing and too They need to reboot Hermione. Just, just they reboot need to her. fix her because I'm like like It's it's like deformifying Alice where they expose that like she was actually acting the entire time. Yeah. Right. But Hermione hasn't been acting the entire yeah. time. Right. Like I going back to the scene, I really appreciate that they are, and I use this term very loosely in this particular example, but I appreciate that they are consenting adults yeah, yeah, and yeah. not Which, teens right yeah but this is like i mean like, as much as she, she's consenting under coercion, yeah but, yeah but it's like the circumstances are super gross right it's just it's all nasty it's mm-hmm. all disgusting and um yeah i don't want to talk about it anymore great well yeah. perfect because i'm done <laughs> um so veronica shows back up and she says mom i've got a surprise for you she's got a little shopping little I shopping bag don't know what it was but oh, she would have liked to know Probably got probably her. a Tucci okay. wallet. Or <laughs> yeah. 
I thought that Camila was great in this scene. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. It was very realistic. This is why I kind of hope that maybe they're going in a different direction because Veronica was so powerful in this scene and like straight up calling Hermione on her crap and being mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? I love the part where she was like, no, I want to hear it from her. Yeah. She's yeah. like, I, want, I don't ever want to hear you talk again. Yes. I want to hear it from the person that I was trying to trust. Yeah. Yep. My, I, my favorite part was when she said, are you deranged? I thought that was like her best performance of the episode. Like, Absolutely. That yeah. It was so good. Mm-hmm. So Hermosa comes into Pops. She says that her mother was a singer at one of the clubs that Hiram, I guess, owned in Miami. Okay. Okay. So, um, cool. St- nice backstory. Still yeah. an affair. The club was called Sala del Oro. Um, when I put that in translate, it means gold hall. But okay. Sala del means room of. So I think it means room of gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, but apparently she died. That's that's oh, really sad. Uh, Rip. That's really sad. When and how? I would uh, like Hiram probably. Yeah, did kill. Hiram kill her? I, I want to yeah. say Hiram. Killed I don't her. know. Like, yeah, like it's does, implied does, that he takes care of her through some sickness or but whatever. But what does Hermosa not know? You right. know what I mean? Like, at the end of the season, are we gonna have her be like, "I'm so sorry, I didn't." Of course. I didn't see. I mean, I feel like she has no remorse um, whatsoever. Doesn't look like she does right now. So I don't know that we'll get that from her, but I do think she is also being played. So does this make Veronica a little bit jealous that he was like a better father and man to Hermosa and her mother than he ever was to Hermione and her? Probably. I'm just like, how much time was he gone yeah for exactly like when like, in his when, when in the timeline was this right like, she's like significantly older than veronica it looks like right and did he like leave was he just like gone from hermione for many weeks at a time yeah because they got together in high school right so like this is definitely cheating on hermione and hermione didn't even like have a scene where she went what you have another daughter exactly right. like so did she know about it this whole time and just wasn't telling veronica like i'm i'm just i don't know Possibly. I don't like it. Uh, My next note is renewing their vows. Hermione, what are you doing? We are never going to understand Hermione. She's been lobotomized, let's uh, let's face it. Yeah, we're never getting her back, guys. We've lost her. So Veronica shows up to the Pembroke, I guess, which is where the vow renewal is happening? Uh, I don't know, I'm confused. Either way, she's wearing the pearls. Yeah. She's out here, like, representing, I guess. (laughs) So is this Hermosa's own study or is this Hiram's study or do they have multiple studies? I think that's Hiram's study. I think it's Hiram's study also. Because Hiram had a portrait of himself up, but then Cheryl cut oh, it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that she was stabbed great. it. Yeah, remember when Cheryl was normal oh, and did cool stuff like that? That was nice. I specifically actually didn't like Cheryl in that episode, I remember, because she was being really selfish. Oh, she was selfish. too chaotic. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I guess everybody puts up portraits of themselves. Well, I definitely have. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the bathroom. It's kind of reflective, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you! She's like, you got me there! I liked that one. <laughs> so, is Hermosa doing this song and dance to make Veronica jealous on purpose? Yes. And why, if so? Doesn't um, because she hates her. Like, is Hiram asking her to do this, and why? No, no. I think that maybe Hermosa is just secretly jealous. Of Veronica, Um, because she was the one who got to actually spend time with him. And had an intact family life. Mm. Yeah. But, like, she didn't. No, not really. For the record. No family that involves Hiram is healthy. I miss when Veronica did school stuff. Same. And hung out with Betty. Well, she's out here trying to get into Harvard. Like, when was the last time, well, she sat next to Betty. Like, she hasn't, she's been in scenes with Betty when they're like, oh, here's two minutes to remind everyone that they all go to the same school. But she hasn't had a scene with Betty since, like, 
they fake killed Jughead. Yeah. And it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Same. So, speaking of Jughead, let's talk about him. Yay. Oh, that was me. Yeah. I don't get dehydrated. I'm just, I'm just really proud of Veronica for, like, standing her ground at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, good for her. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about know. the head that shaped like a jug. All right. Sorry, baby. Did you want to finish? No, I was just like, I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm proud of her. Yeah. Okay. Jughead and Betty have an expository date. Jughead has writer's block. Betty just wants a kiss. Later, he pitches to Betty that his grandfather was the true author of the first Baxter Brothers book, not DuPont, because we were right. Mm-hmm. Betty says he needs proof. Jughead heads back to Stonewall and discovers all traces of his grandfather's writing have been wiped from the school. They decide to search the Riverdale High records instead. They find a story written by Frosty Pajamas, <laughs> which could be shortened to PJ. It, it, FP. It's right there. My theory of FP was better. They confirm that he was the writer of the first book. Jughead goes to DuPont and tells him that he knows that his grandfather was the true originator of the books. DuPont loses his mind at being accurately exposed and threatens, <laughs> Jughead, <laughs> and threatens Jughead, insults FP, and calls his grandfather a bottom-feeding dropout. <laughs> like, sorry you're not talented, I guess? <laughs> Jughead leaves before he can get kicked out of school. He tells Mr. Chipping the truth, and Chipping agrees to help, but then he super bails on that by throwing himself out of a window. <laughs> That's how I leave awkward situations also. <laughs> Their class needs a new teacher while Chipping recovers, and it's DuPont, of course. Okay. And like, sidebar, no one is concerned that Mr. Chipping threw himself out of a window. These people are insane. <laughs> okay. Jughead like, was like, help! And they were like, those kids are just eh. like, we're good. Okay, so there's so much to parse through here, I feel like we might as well just go, like, throughout the storyline rather than, like, start talking about sure. the whole thing. Because there's just so much here. Uh, I really liked that when Jughead showed up to Pops, Betty had already ordered him a burger. That was that soft. Was very cute little detail. And we also, like, laughed out loud when Betty's like, hey, kiss your girlfriend. And Jughead's like, anyway. Anyway, I'm still talking. I don't know. <laughs> it's very Jughead. I loved it. And then Jug- Betty was like, hey. Or... You could kiss your girlfriend. Sam's Betty. And I was like, yes, this is correct. (laughs) I'm Bughead, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's so soft. I'm Bughead, baby. Jughead. Sir. Jughead. Are you highlighting in first edition books? (gasps) Oh, boy. Sir, you you are going to... You are going to regret that one day. Probably. I mean, they're well-loved books, you know? But first edition? I agree. I don't know. Yikes. I feel like it's, if it's something, like, that you would never get rid of. I guess, but, like, you never know. True. Exactly. Yeah. His maybe, grandfather... Oh. Maybe he just went out and bought a bunch of extra copies specifically to highlight them. Maybe. So his, he says his grandfather wrote the first book. It has FP initials, which Brittany figured out on the stream... Yes. On Tuesday, she was like, oh yeah, FP, because Franklin, what is it, Franklin P. Paxton, right? Yeah. Except, of course, that's FPP instead of FPJ. But what I did want to point out, actually, was that um, the author of the Sweet Valley High novels, or at least the first author, was named uh, Francine Pascal. So there's FP as, like, there as well. Yep. Interesting. So, interesting. Found a story by him at Stonewall, but it's torn out by DuPont. Has DuPont gone through all of the records, taking out any uh, example of FP the First's work? I'm willing to say yes. We'll just say it's him, I guess. Uh, Frosty Pajamas. I was like, yeah, F and then PJ. Yeah, I'm with you. But then I re- rewatched and he's like, Frosty is almost an anagram of Forsyth. I was like, bud. <laughs> like, just... Almost an anagram. Like, what does that even mean? Like, you know, an anagram? No, I mean, how would it be an anagram? Like, 
Frosty has a lot of the same No, I letters. know. I'm just like, Juggy, that's such a reach. Yeah, it exactly. Is a reach, totally. For sure. So, uh, uh, Jughead says, hey, DuPont, I think you're a heckin' liar. And he gets <laughs> way too salty. And this is the perfect opportunity to say, okay, boomer. Ah! <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. He really missed that one. Yeah, he really it. missed that one. So, um, yeah. Uh, I feel like in that scene we were literally like, yeah, this tracks with that guy in particular. Mm-hmm. He literally, last episode, was like, wow, he was such a good writer. I loved him so much. His work was the best. I couldn't believe that a teenager wrote him. And now he's like, that guy was a nobody. He means nothing to anybody, especially the world. He was a poor, <laughs> especially the world. Yeah. It, 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 like, it, the, the, the classist flip yeah. that he does mm-hmm. when he's found out is just disgusting, and I hate it. I don't know how nobody has figured this out before. Right. How is FP a thief, and how would you know sir like he was like i would like to meet him like what right if anyone's the thief but this is like such like a a cornered person thing to do is to immediately flip the accusations onto the other person oh yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. so it's like you call someone a thief but you're the thief like you're the one who stole the book and published it and took his work for your own if you wrote the book then you're able to be like, actually, here are some of my early drafts. Yeah. You know? But this is, like, for sure confirmation that he fully stole it. Oh, absolutely. So we have that going for us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we for sure know that he stole it, but now we need to figure out what the circumstances were that, like, made that happen. Yeah. Like, for example, last episode, Brittany, you said, like, maybe he was paid off. Yeah. Or something. Uh, he he could have been paid off. He could have been like he, it could have been stolen from him. Yeah, like fully stolen. Yeah, yeah. he could have been like bullied into leaving. Mm-hmm. Like if the Jones family has a cycle of abuse, then he could have also been being abused and like somehow been bullied out of Stonewall. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't. F- uh, yeah, something something bad. So. To be honest, there was, like, actually not as much to talk about in this episode as I thought there was. Not, I mean, like, Jughead's was, like, one of the ones that didn't make me feel disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but not much happened. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, not a lot happened. Um, my next note was just, Mr. Chipping, what is your deal? Right. He was so weird this episode. Something is going very He's wrong. He's being very him. manipulated. Like, he might be manipulated the same way that Jughead's grandfather was. Like, mm. he specifically says, like, you know what, you're right, I totally see exactly what you're saying, and as a writer, like, I have to do something about this, I'll totally help you. Yeah. But of course, we're like, we don't trust Mr. Chipping, so, like, is he actually going to help? But then later he comes in, and, and we genuinely thought he had been poisoned. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he looked so he white. So sweaty. He looked yeah, like he was gonna weird. pass out. Um, another thing that he said, what did he say? Um, he says, I'm sorry that I couldn't help you, but I'm like, couldn't help or wouldn't help. Like, I right. couldn't, I couldn't tell if he was like, so consumed with like shame that he, that he couldn't slash wouldn't help Jughead that that's the reason why he jumped out the window yeah. or like, I couldn't help you. Like him being so weird in that last scene, I couldn't tell if it was like I was saying about the imperious curse, like. I couldn't tell if he had been, like, under something that, like, forced yeah. him to do that, you know? Like, right. He has to be being blackmailed or something. Or something. It like, was just such a weird choice. I thought, like, it very much looked like he was being poisoned yeah. at the time. Yeah. But he just jumped out a window. It's like... Like, what made him do that? Was the antidote to the poison out the window? <laughs> Maybe? Just wonder. I don't know. Right. Like, you know? what kind of mind control power does 
DuPont have that he can pressure people to jump out of windows? I don't think he's dead. I think he's just injured, especially because Brett just uses the phrase fall from grace. But like, I was just confused. I was like, if you're trying to kill yourself, then like, why do it here in front of everyone? Right. When it doesn't seem like what Mr. Chipping was about. Like, and my bigger question is, why were these kids not surprised? Oh my gosh, yeah, when Jughead was like, call call 911, and they all just sat there. Yeah. Why didn't they care? Like, what what happens at this school that these kids are all robots? Right. That's, yeah. That was really freaking weird. I forgot about that moment. That's like really creepy. They were just like, we're good. Like, none of them moved. None of them. Not even what's-her-face that we semi-like. Donna? Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know anything about Joan and Jonathan, but I, I mean, should they not? Like, yep. were they expecting it? Did they know he was planning on doing that? Like, I'm just, I, right. that part was so confusing. It, it was disturbing. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Jipping, what's your deal? He agrees with Jughead, but, do, but can't do anything about it. Is he in league with DuPont already or not? I don't know. He says that he's going, we're going to talk about Heart of Darkness, which uh, an episode has been... Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. Wasn't that an episode of this show? Yes, yeah. it was. And what was the other one that was that they said, that they mentioned recently that was also a... I think it was like the last Telltale episode. Heart? Yeah, the Telltale yeah. Heart, yes. But he says that it's about a loss of moral compass, and that's when he's like, oh no. Because my moral compass. My moral compass. It's outside. Yeah, I gotta go get it. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that it was more than... Like, for some reason, I thought that it was, like, this big castle that was all on one floor. And so, right. like, when he jumped out the window, I was like, well, did he, where is he going? Yeah. Is he running somewhere? Robin. Um, I had no idea. And then, and then he was like, call the ambulance. I was like, oh, because oh. of the broken glass? Because <laughs> of the broken glass? <laughs> I thought it was on the first floor. Robin, oh my god. You bring me joy. So, I, I guess, it, what was it, second floor, third floor? Probably third floor. He can't have gotten hurt that badly. He's still alive. Oh, for sure. So he is, yeah. So yeah, they're they're not helping. They're literally just sitting there. So then later, when they're like, oh, "Hey, I heard that the class is canceled and we all get 4.0. Nice." Brett seems to be like in the know about it. He's like, "Yeah, totally. Like we all there aren't any, there is no more teachers. It's great." But then it turns out he's not. My favorite thing is that Brett thinks he knows something but knows nothing, which is so like a white dude who's yeah. overconfident. Oh, fully. Um, and they mention that they're going to get new a new teacher. They mention Celeste Ng and Ian McEwen, who are actually two real authors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it turns out DuPont is the new teacher because, I of mean, course, duh. he is. Uh, and, of course, now, like, this just messes up everything that Jughead has done because this is the only teacher we've we've seen at this school is Mr. Chipping. We have no idea if Jughead even has anybody else to confide in here. You know? Right. I'm waiting for Mr. Chipping to wake up, realized he made a mistake, and to spill all the beans on yeah. DuPont. Yeah. It's like, Moose was his guy, but then Moose left. Like, he literally, like, we haven't seen him have one other friend, other than Donna, who clearly isn't. Like, were these kids also under some sort of spell? Because then later in the next scene, they seem totally fine and normal again? Like, and I don't, also, like, don't care that their teacher threw himself out of a window. window. Like, is this a normal occurrence? I'm, like, so confused. Like, these people are all messed up. Yeah. I don't know. The last thing I had about the storyline was just that there was no flash forward this episode. That was, um, Oh, sad. I didn't sad. notice that. Yeah. I noticed and I was disappointed also. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah. That's all I had on Jughead. That's all I got. Yep. Hey, Brittany, can you tell me about TV Co? Hey, yeah. TV Co is this really cool app where you can log on and, like, participate in live streams about your favorite TV Co's... TV Co's? About your favorite TV shows with your favorite creators. Tell me more. Well, I mean, like, we're on TV Co. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah. How did we, how did we end up there? 
Um, we were offered a space there, and so now we live stream every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST. We rewatch last week's episode to prepare for this week's episode of Riverdale. That sounds so fun. Mm-hmm. So you should download the app, get an account, search the Aficionados or Riverdale or Riverdale, find us, join our live streams, have a good time. Yeah, if you follow us, then uh, you'll get notifications when we start broadcasting. If you forget. I want you to know that I forgot we still had to go over Betty's storyline, and I got excited that we were done. Yeah. (laughs) Still have to do one more. It's okay. It's only one more. Mm -hmm. And I I hate Betty's storyline. But yeah, we would love to have you uh, on our stream. Um, It's really fun and nice. And for our first hiatus week, which should be in a couple weeks after the <laughs> after the Thanksgiving episode we're going to rewatch the Midnight Club and uh, after that for the next hiatus weeks after that we're going to be asking for suggestions on Twitter as to what episodes we should uh, rewatch for the stream yeah so uh, hit us up about that you should join us it's accidentally turned into like a mukbang sort of thing where we, we eat dinner. talk about Riverdale yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, Betty uh yes okay here we go Betty meets up with Jughead in the middle of the night at Pops, and they chat about his grandpa being really the true Arthur, 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 author of the first Baxter Brothers mystery. Excuse me, excuse me I burped in the middle of your sentence. <laughs> you sure did. I thought you were gonna start over, and then me just didn't. leaving that sentence in there. So you have to leave your burp. Okay. Betty meets up with Jughead in the middle of the night at Pops. They chat about his grandpa being the true author of the first Baxter Baxter Brothers mystery, but she's really just there for the kisses. <laughs> Betty has been following Classic. Charles for several days and has worked out his daily routine. He goes to work, he eats at Pops or with his family, and he goes to the gym. Kevin says he just sounds like a lonely gay guy, and I'm inclined to agree with Kevin. Next, Betty puts on her clown nose and goes to see Chick <laughs> to get the tea about her big brother. <laughs> Chick says that uh, one time they were doing Jingle Jangle during a threesome and Charles snapped and killed a guy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Chick claims to be telling the truth, but like, really, Betty? Really? Please, for one dollar, use a brain cell. (laughs) (laughs) She confronts Charles about it and demands that they do a polygraph test on him. What a great way to get to know your big bro. Uh, During the polygraph, Betty learns that Charles covered up a murder for Chick the same way FP did for Alice. Interesting. Uh, She also learns that he's a recovering addict. Awkward. Anyway, he passes the test. Uh, Betty's little visit to Chick brings back the shady man that Alice murdered in the Cooper kitchen. Uh, Excuse me, his name is Dwayne. His name's the Shady Man. (laughs) Dwayne the Shady Man. Oh my god. (laughs) Good night. Um, So that is a thing again, which I'm not mad about. Uh, But so FP and Charles have some good father son bonding time by going to make sure that the rest of that body gets destroyed, even though it was (laughs) supposed to be destroyed anyway by all the crap he poured in there. (laughs) Brittany. <laughs> Keep that in the podcast. For a dollar, for a dollar, use a brain cell. For a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, FP tells Alice not to worry; they'll be okay. I'm soft. Betty finally accepts Charles. Uh, and then <laughs> we are fooled again. <laughs> oh, no. Unfortunately, we find Charles visiting Chick in prison, confessing his undying love <laughs> and admitting that he's playing his family. Please stay psych. I'm so sad. <laughs> I I feel so betrayed by this uh, because it's horrible. we spent so much time like I spent all hiatus with like the highest hopes yeah about Charles I spent months 
with like smiles in my in, smiles in my brain about this man. We should on her face if that's less creepy. And I'm so sad because like even when we had that moment in the Halloween episode where we thought he's not exactly perfect because he's listening in on their their thing. Right. If his smile had look in any way malicious right. or evil, right. I would buy this. But he just looked like touched that they said something nice about him yep. right so i'm so confused and i i have a theory that makes this better for like when we get there but i can't decide if it's like mostly wishful thinking or if it's just like actually rooted in anything so i guess we can decide mm-hmm. that when we get there yeah i'm uh, of the same thing i think mm-hmm. right now i'm just mad um which is sad and mad mm-hmm. mm, so yeah mm. so he lives in a suite at the five seasons um, and he goes to Casa Grande. And my first question while I was watching was like, why are you going to Casa Grande instead of the El Royale, you traitor? <laughs> <laughs> but later, of course, they answered that. Yeah, it does. And Kevin says, oh, he just seems like a lonely gay guy. And I was like, Kevin. Stop assuming stop sexuality. Assuming, like, you're just, you're just, you, you're just saying that because you want him to be gay because you want to hook up with him. With, by, which, by the way, he's an adult and you're a teen, so stop. Exactly. Which, like, uh. Maybe he's just an introvert. Right. And, like, I'm all for more more characters being gay, but, yeah. like, can Kevin stop being gross about it? Yeah. Like, he, the way he does it is just, like, I mean, it <laughs> it's very stereotypical, like, white gay dude uh-huh. who, who thinks they're entitled to everything, but uh-huh. I don't like but that. But, like, stop perpetuating that stereotype. Exactly. I have no problem with Charles being queer. I think that that's I great. Love it. I'm so thrilled. But I'm super against it just because it's like with chick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I, it has this gross I'm all for you being yeah. he's villainous. I'm thrilled that he's gay. Mm-hmm. I am just or queer in some way. Yeah, yeah, or some in some way queer. I'm disgusted that it, it's in a relationship with chick who is a terrible person. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Okay, so tell us what your theory is, because we're on the topic. Sure, okay, so, well, first of all, like, we knew that Chick liked dudes, or at least, like, was willing to, like, webcam with them. Sure. So, for some reason, my brain never put together the fact that, like, they were living together because they were a couple. Like, I literally just thought, like, I mean, like, Charles's life freaking sucked, man. He, like, got put into the sisters. He spent, like, 18 years of his life with these terrible people who were unkind to him. Then mm-hmm. he gets spits out, yep. spit out af- after he gets put through the ringer in the system. Mm-hmm. And he like gets hooked on jingle jangle, meets this garbage man on the streets and then like starts dating him and continues to just like use drugs and then finds a way to like turn his life around, become someone important and uh, impactful, impactful, yeah. making a difference in the world, making a difference in the lives of the people of the type of people that he was. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I was like, what a success story. And yep. now they're just, pff, yep. they just, they just took it away. Yeah. They were really talking about, like, being a recovering addict and all yeah. this really cool stuff. And then they were like, I was like, good for him. Support him. But it's like, okay, so he's a recovering addict. But, like, are you trying to imply that his new addiction slash ongoing addiction is chick? Yeah. Because yeah. I gotta tell you, when they did that on the 100, everyone wound up dead. Mm-hmm. Big not a fan of that. Yeah. yeah. So I was... Yeah. So okay. So just he- heading back to heading to, into the end mm-hmm. for my theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is like they say that Charles or that Chick 
I don't think I can make this make sense until we talk about the first beginning of this episode. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, so he said, so Kevin says he's a lonely gay guy, and I'm kind of mad that he's right because he's being really weird about it. And it's kind of uncomfortable, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so then my next note was just not that I don't want him to be queer, I just didn't want it to be with Chick. At least not now. Yep. Right, right, right. Like, if it was with Chick in the past, fine, but I didn't want it to be with Chick now. Yep, that's so fair. Um, I love when Jughead calls Charles our brother. Oh, yeah. I laugh every time. It's great. Thank you for that reminder that y'all are related. Yeah. So, Charles and Chick were part of two completely different storylines last season. Like, Charles was part of the farm storyline, and Chick was part of the Gargoyle King storyline. So, Mm -hmm. like, I was kind of confused. Like, I know that they were really important to each other in season two, but, like, the fact that they were so separate last season, I was like, wait, do y'all know each other? (laughs) (laughs) I kind of forgot. Yeah. Right. Oh, ship name Chark or Chills? Or... Chuck, which is Chills. what it makes me want to do, like, barf. Yeah. <laughs> um, we knew that Chick was into dudes. Is Chick telling the truth? I have no idea. I He's am. always lying. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what the truth is from Charles. I don't know what the truth is from Chick. I don't know. It, I, it's hard. Literally nothing makes sense. I want to believe that Ch- Charles is um playing Chick for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also don't believe anything Chick says, so I'm just like, it's you yeah. both suck. It's hard because it's kind of like a, a boy who cried wolf situation mm-hmm. in the fact that, like, in this storyline in particular, especially with, with almost everything that happens to Betty, yeah. with Alice last season, with Chick, with this, with that, with that, every time anything happened, like with Polly, mm-hmm. everything that has anything to do with Betty is a lie. And so yeah. when something is the truth, I don't know. Because I think that it's also a lie. Because I think I assume that everything that happens with Betty is a lie. Right. And so, like, when they're trying to tell me something is the truth, I don't know. And There's so it's ca- it's hard to it's it's hard to figure out. You can't make sense of it. There's yeah. like this thing that happens. Stay with me, Jay Bombsberger. Okay. Did- Linda puts on this murder mystery like thing at the diner. Okay. And she reveals at the end. She goes, "The murderer was me." Mm-hmm. And they're like. But you said it wasn't you. And she was like, well, that's the twist. They're like, no, that's a lie. A lie is not a twist. And I wish the Riverdale writers had watched that episode Mm. because there's just, they're all lies and they think that they're twists. Right. But they're not twists. I'm just sitting here like, y'all are just contradicting all your own writing. Right. Please stop. Can you do that Linda impression again? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. (laughs) So clearly like this happened we know that charles used jj like how much i think of the polygraph test we can we can trust the polygraph test i agree i think we're supposed to be able to trust the polygraph test so great so charles used to use jingle jangle used to live with chick he uses uh our bed so he's confirming to betty in like a very chill way that like he was actually dating yeah they they were in a relationship but are the details correct like who actually killed that dude i think that when charles said that chick killed him on the polygraph we must take that as to be true i do take that to be true. yeah okay great oh and then chick like beforehand chick says why would i lie at this point like why wouldn't you lie you're a constant pathological liar maybe he's lying to protect charles but then it's like, it seems like you aren't protecting Charles because you're like throwing him under the bus saying he killed somebody. No. Like, I'm really confused. So he, the thing that was really annoying, especially before knowing like this twist at the end where Charles is evil again or whatever, is like, Charles has given Betty literally no reason to not trust him. Like, all of this is yep. just her garbage and her baggage. That's yep. why, mm-hmm. Especially when he was like, okay, well, I'm a recovering addict. Thanks, Betty. Like, that's, now you know. Great. We're like, you suck, Betty. 
Yeah. Like, like, when she did that, I was like, I'm so mad at you right now. Yeah. Right. I was just deeply cringing. That's the why whole it's like, all, like, Charles's story is a success story. Yes, it is. And they're spiraling him down again. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. But that's why I'm, like, really holding out hope that, that he's actually okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. tag yourself. I'm, I'm Alice being annoyed when Betty gets home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, girl, can you stop? Can you stop? Yeah. So, Charles was in the sisters, not Chick. We need to remember that. Chick was not in the sisters. Charles was. Charles cleaned up the dead man in their bed, and Chick watched, which is the same that happened last time. Yeah. Chick never deals with the consequences of his He just actions. sits there. Oh, fully. Yeah. Okay? And he said that on a polygraph, so we can take that as true. Yeah. So, he says, I left him. We broke up. Great. Okay? Says he's a recovering addict, goes to meetings. Th- that also must be true. Here's what I think is is the thing. If Charles is evil, here's what's happening, okay? okay. Is that she's saying, are you hiding something from us? And then that's when it's like, ooh, right? Yeah. And so he says something that's true. Not necessarily like the thing that she's mm, really asking for. He just says something that's true that would that will like placate her. Okay. Sure. So if he's evil still, like that's, that's what happened right, there. Right, right, right. Okay. I'm hoping he's not, but if that... If it is true, that's what happened. I believe it. Yeah. So, yes to the murder, but how would he know the burial site? So, Chick. Apparently, so, Charles says that Chick has told the FBI right. that there was a murder that happened in the Black Hood's house. Yes, he would know that. But he would not know the burial site. No. Right? So, that's why I think that Charles made this story up. Because okay. isn't it a conflict of interest for Charles to lead the investigation on a bajillion fronts? Yeah. Yes. Like, he would not be allowed to do that. It's like, your parents, your father, your boyfriend, your, yeah. you know, like, that. he would not be allowed to do that on right. any front. Agreed. So that's why I think that Charles made up this story just to know where the body was and to gain their trust. That the FBI is not even, doesn't ha- have anything to do with this. It's literally just Chick's information, and then you needed more information. Okay. Yep. Okay? That's what I think happened there. So they're still together. Aren't these conversations monitored? Right. These phone calls are, re- like, these conversations are recorded yeah. in jails. Like, those, those are recorded conversations. It's not just the phone conversations that are recorded. Right. Like, they so, need to monitor their prisoners. So is Charles manipulating Chick? Is my question. Yeah, my thing is, yeah, that was my theory as well, is, like, maybe Charles actually is, like, using Chick for something for information, and, like, that's why. But then my second question was, have we actually checked that Charles is still officially an FBI agent? Well, he taught the class. I just, something makes me suspicious, because, like, why would the FBI allow him to be in a relationship with a felon? Like, a straight-up murderer? Unless they're asking him to go in there and manipulate him for a case. Exactly. Is... He... Are they trying to find Penelope? <gasps> oh. Duh! Right. Because, <laughs> like, Chick was working with her. Yeah. Duh! I feel better. It's about Penelope. Yeah. I hope so. I'm like, it's very... Baby, why are you so smart? It's very not in the... Like, in the context of the show, there's no hints of that yet. Yeah. But I want that to be why. <laughs> I... Like you said, there's nothing really to suggest that Charles really is a good man. Other than that moment where he was listening in and he, like, smiled happily because he just wants a family. Right. So that's my, that's what's in my heart. Yep. (laughs) And if it's not true, I will be sad but not surprised. Yeah. I just don't want them to take away the really lovely representation that Charles was. Like, not only is he, like, a queer man, but he also has, like, like, recovered, rised up in the ranks, 
and like is doing something important. Like yeah, he was like the lead on the cult story or on the, or on the cult exactly. like investigation. Yeah. Like I've said, it, I mean, obviously I've said it a bunch of times this episode already, but he's supposed to be a success story. And yeah, right. if they just break him down more, it's like just really disappointing, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Should we do segments? Sure. Yep. Now it's time for segments. My first segment is a sexual jughead question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer was yes. It was yes. I don't care. <laughs> and you shouldn't. I really love the moment where Betty was like, kiss me. And Jughead was like, anyway. I was like, mm, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah. And my segment is which MILF was the most badass? And I'm going to give it to... Not Hermione. Not Hermione. Uh, Mary? She, uh, she didn't really do... I'd yeah. say it was Alice, I guess. Alice. Yeah, Alice. Like, they didn't... They didn't... Alice and Mary didn't do much, but they were They You were know great. what? They deserve credit regardless. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... My segment is, did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? And I'm gonna say yes, because they live in the same house. And Alice waited up for uh, him to get home, even though FB said not to. Um, so I will take my breadcrumb. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good. And, Good. uh, building on that, my best <laughs> line award, uh, goes to FP for... We're okay, Alice. We're gonna be okay. Oh, because I'm trash. That's beautiful, and I love it, and I'm so happy that you chose that. Yeah. I was like, I gotta be Sam in this moment, because I know Sam isn't choosing this, so I have to do what <laughs> Sam would want me to do. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, mm -hmm. and I appreciate you so much. Yeah. And uh, my best line award goes to Veronica for her response to Hiram in this moment. I'd like to return to my true passion. Extortion. Murder. In Extortion? Murder? Yeah. Mm hmm? Mm hmm? She's those, got snappy. Those are favorite hobbies? Snap. And mine goes to Veronica for... Cops are on their way, asshat. Whatever asshat. I think it was asshat. It was asshat, yeah. yeah. Just iconic. Mm -hmm. She would stand up to a literal gang member like that. It was great. Veronica and Cheryl have really good snapbacks, like, about, like... Like, just really, really detailed and accurate, like, digs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, this was not one of them, which I kind of appreciate. <laughs> yeah, and Veronica was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for a generic thing because you don't deserve my creativity. Like, yeah. Dodger is low-hanging fruit, so she went for the low-hanging fruit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now it's time for our trailer reaction. I forgot what happened in this trailer already. Uh, we saw Darla. Oh, yeah, Darla. Heckin' Darla. Who the fuck is Darla? Shady Man's girlfriend. Oh, right. Dwayne's girlfriend, or like he stole her car. So well, like, okay. I had a picture with Darla from Little Rascals. Oh, I thought of Darla from Finding Nemo. Also, but so. why do I recognize this actress? I'm gonna have to look it up. She's been in everything. Um, I forgot to read the little like blurb of the episode last episode, and I apologize for that, so I'm gonna do it this time. Oh, good. We are all counting on you. It's called the Ice Storm. Cool. 407, Thanksgiving in Riverdale. Woohoo! Archie's I'm so excited. <laughs> Archie's plan to host a peaceful Thanksgiving dinner at the community center quickly gets derailed when some unexpected guests arrive. Stranded at Stonewall Prep by an ice storm because of the title of the episode. <laughs> Jughead and Betty, why are you here? Why is Betty there? Whatever. Jughead and Betty search for clues about a recent death on campus. So wait, is Mr. Chipping actually dead? <gasps> no, I would be ah. sad. Because, uh, Brett, you are not, like, very kind, if, yeah. if that's true. Yeah. Uh, he did not speak of him as if he had died. Uh, okay. Uh, elsewhere, while FP, Alice, Hiram, and Hermione- Oh, they misspelled Hermione, so it says Hermoine. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. And Hermione wait out the storm together at Pops. Cheryl and Tony get resourceful as they host a dinner for Cheryl's family. <laughs> Uh, minus Uncle Bedford because he's dead. Hey, you know what that means? We're gonna get a lot of Foster content. Cousin oh, Foster! Alright, now we're gonna watch this, the trailer. Cool. 
Well, the haste with which Robin falls for minor characters <laughs> is just astounding. I just want to know more. He looks like, uh, listen, I well, like Draco you. Malfoy. <laughs> he looks like Draco Malfoy. Okay. All right, you guys ready? Yep. Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, play. Something weird. Is Next happening. Wednesday. Give me a hiatus. I like when they part weird. Betty's hair down the Why middle. Why is Jughead back at Riverdale High? Or is that supposed to be stone? He's supposed to be stonewall. I love Veronica being chaotic. Carla, Archie getting punched. Just another day. Hey, Monroe's back. I saw his blurry face in the background. (laughs) He's having Thanksgiving with his boyfriend. His blurry little little face. Okay, so we have Betty, and she's wearing a Stonewall High sweatshirt. So I guess that's Jughead's merch that he bought. I guess it doesn't look like Stonewall High though. No, it does not. Mm-mm. So what? Something weird's happening at this school. So she went to go visit him, I guess. Sure. He couldn't make it back for Thanksgiving. I don't know. Yeah. There's somebody in a bunny mask, which oh, it's Brett, Brett, right? It's definitely like it a, that's Brett. a horror movie trope for sure. Yeah, it's just Brett it's playing Darko, a prank. But crappy. It's also um like the strangers and maybe something else. There's another one where they dress up with animal masks. And we once again have this like weird filter that looks like a security camera. Mm. Like so, for example, last trailer we had like that over julian's eyes and then we like that it's just like part of the trailers now i guess which is well it's part it's supposed to be part of the theme for the season because we got those videotapes yes the 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 theme is videotapes where are the videotapes yeah oh yeah where are the videotapes is everyone still being watched veronica is pulling the entire thanksgiving dinner on the ground i guess good for her hermione's there we know that for sure uh this is dodger in the hospital i guess with pizza. With pizza, classic. And just, like, beer? Because you could just have pizza and beer on your hospital. Bed, it doesn't look I like guess. he's eating those. Because he has, like, a whole mask on. So, like, I guess Darla and her buddies here are drinking them and just leaving them. Or, like, That's just so random class of the gang. That's so act. weird. So this is Darla, if you guys don't remember. She was friends with the Shady Man slash Dwayne because, like, he took her car, I think, and her car was the one that he was driving that they had to, like, dispose of, Yeah, you call this. Yeah. So, like, that's Darla. She's here again, I guess. And this is one of Dodger's friends who's, like, beating up Archie. Classic. Dodger's friend has a crappy, weird hat on. Yeah, it's really weird. Okay, we've got some, like, flashes. Let me see. Oh, it's just Archie getting punched in front of the children. Oh, Man, no. that's not gonna be great for his reputation. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. And then, girl, <laughs> there are children there. His mom is right there. I have a new favorite character. It's this kid in the background going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Archie does not seem worried about having a gun in his face. I love whatever's happening with uh, Mary and Veronica there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Archie does not seem that upset. Archie's like, try me, bitch. We have Monroe in the background as well as Macklemore. Oh. Potentially is also here, so yeah. that's good. And that's that. Like, what up, my name's Matt. And I know from the uh, promo photos from this episode, mm-hmm. uh, the FP and Alice are getting real cozy. Finally. Um, we deserve what we things. deserve. This is yeah. what we earn. Like, yeah. he has his arm around her in multiple locations, and I just want to say thanks. I yeah. said thank you. Uh, we all said thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. 
Um, if you enjoy us, leave us a review on iTunes. We love those. And also, um, we have a survey. We have a survey, which you can fill out in the description box to tell us what you like and what you think we could work on. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We did three seasons of The 100, season four, season five, season six. And we're doing season seven, which is the final season. And then we're going back to do seasons one, two, and three. It's going to be a trip. It's going to be... Oh, boy. Interesting. Something. It sure is going to be something, isn't it? I mean, the first three seasons were good. I liked the, the first, first two seasons. The first two seasons and the first <laughs> six episodes of season three are good. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what happened after episode I, seven. It's a shame that the that the hundred got canceled um, halfway through the seventh episode in the third season. I, I just don't know what happened so there. So weird. So weird. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. We talk about it at length. We mm -hmm. are... Right at the end of season two, and those are being released monthly right now. Yeah. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we recorded all of season one already, and a spoiler-free as-you-go reaction thoughts to season three, which you can listen to on the Stranger Things feed. We're planning to do season two next year. Yeah, uh, all throughout next year. I, I scheduled it like two days ago, <laughs> and it's literally like every six weeks. So like throughout the year. Definitely. Yeah. And it's going to be great. It's a fun. Uh, and then we'll do season three the next year, and then hopefully we'll have hopefully season four, season. and it'll <laughs> exactly. be great. Exactly. Um, so that'll hopefully make the wait for the next season a little bit shorter. The Stranger Things pod is probably my favorite one to talk on, uh, so expect to see me there too. Thanks. Do you want me to go again? I assumed you wanted to talk I about thought, Picard. I thought it was going to be funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> join us for our Star Trek Picard pod, which is going to start... I think the show starts January 24th, I want to say. Third. I don't even know what my own new favorite show starts. 24th so. is the beginning of UD. Oh, that's why. Okay, those yeah. two Okay. So we are going to... Un oh, yeah. We're going to Unity Days, by the way, for the 100, even though um, one of us doesn't really enjoy the 100 anymore. <laughs> But we love Unity Days. We love Unity Days. So, so much love for Unity Days. If you guys are in on that fandom as well, or even if you aren't, you know exactly where we're going to be. So if you're looking for us, <laughs> you can we'll be there. there. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. Um, but yeah, if you guys are all up in that fandom, uh, Unity Days happens every year here in Vancouver. So uh, we'd love to see you there if you want to hang out. Yeah, and there's like 17 guests going, yeah. so odds are your fave is going, uh, unless they're an adult. No adults <laughs> is here. Yeah. Well, my fave is going, but thanks. I mean, if your favorite adult is a villain, Jairborn will be there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, we are doing, anyway, speaking of shows that aren't sad, we're going to be doing the Picard pod, which is um, the Star Trek Picard show. And I don't know who's all going to be in it, except I know us three definitely. Sam is a new TNG stan. I am a Voyager <laughs> stan. Robin has never seen a thing of Star Trek in her life. And I don't want to be there for the whole podcast. You don't have to be. You can That's just, like, okay. I just want to. I just want to come have, in for like the beginning or the end or whatever, and be like, "These are my thoughts on the episode," and talk about the actual episode, and then I'm gonna leave, and then everyone else is gonna talk about like the illusions and what this means for the series as a whole, because I have nothing to add to that. Yeah, That's, I just and I don't want to sit there. I yeah. I would also just like to do a mini episode where we show Robin characters from. We should Star do Trek. that. We should do that as a teaser. We and should we, do that on like YouTube. Yeah, and we just ask her what she thinks of these characters, just based on literally no knowledge except for how much Brittany and I talk about. Them. Like, I know that this one's name is Worf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe I believe you'll find that's Mr. Woof. That's Mr. Woof. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I binge watched Voyager and then TNG, and now I have an addiction, and I love it. Thanks. Thanks. Okay.
You can join us every Tuesday on T on the TV Co app at 7 p.m. PST. That's Vancouver time. If you're in EST, that's 10 p.m. And I know that's a little late for you, but listen, I have to get home from work. Yeah. So <laughs> we uh, have jobs. Yeah. So it's 7 p.m. PST, but we have lots of fun over there. We just rewatch the previous week's episode and discuss anything that our viewers want to discuss. Um, and it's been pretty fun so far. I've had a great time. I have a great time just sitting, eating food, and talking about Riverdale. Yeah, agreed. It's a good time, so, uh, yeah, thanks. If you like pizza, and you like Riverdale, and you like us, you'll enjoy it. Should Tuesdays be our pizza days? Should we have pizza every- we cannot afford pizza every week. (laughs) Okay, first of all, I'm not speaking to you. We can afford pizza every week. It must be nice to afford pizza every week. It's $11 if you split it five ways. I, I can't do that. Okay, never mind. Okay, fair. You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebelly, YouTube, but uh, mostly Twitter. Side of Tumblr for Robin's gifts. Please support her. Please. And TV code. Go do it. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's genuinely very expensive. All of our... All of our feeds, like, all of our payments for our feeds all roll over in January, so we're going to be out, like, a couple hundred dollars in January, so we would love your help. And if you join before the end of the year, we will send you a personalized postcard. If you're not into doing the monthly thing, you can send me a one uh, a one-time donation of over $5 Canadian uh, to my PayPal. If you're looking for it, you can find it by asking me. <laughs> Thanks. I promise I'm not scary. She's she's Robin Egypt from PayPal. Exactly. Also. Yeah. She is. It's true. I am. Uh, and actually that segues right into you can find me at Robin E. Jeffrey that's R-O-B-Y and E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere including PayPal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey listen if you just want to send me stuff for fun. Oh no. god. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Apertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Do not send me money. <laughs> I cannot relate to that statement. I'm like, I'm like, I want money for the pod. I don't want money for me. I need money for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, you can find me at SamKCC on Twitter. That's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-C. And this is the part where I complain about how I need to change my username. But do you have any ideas? Never will. Uh, I'm going to do something about it this week, I think. Okay. And if you want to send me presents, you can. <laughs> oh, I like presents. <laughs> Buy me a coffee. <laughs> oh, you can also find my reviews at telltelltv.com slash author slash Samantha dash Coley. Yes, you can find that in the description as well. Join us for our next episode, which is 407 The Ice Storm. So The Ice Storm is a 1997 America drama film, American drama film, directed by Ang Lee, based on Rick Moody's 1994, me too, novel of the same name. The film features an ensemble cast of Kevin Kline, Joan Allen, Toby Maguire, Christina Ricci, Elijah Wood. Don't Toby, uh, Toby Maguire and Elijah Wood are the same person that go off. <laughs> Katie Holmes, Len Fitzgerald, and Jamie Sheridan, and Sigourney Weaver. <gasps> Wait, you lost Elijah Wood, but you had to back <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. Set during Thanksgiving 1973, so it's already, it's a Thanksgiving movie. The Ice Storm is about two dysfunctional Connecticut upper-class families who are trying to deal with tumultuous social changes of the early 1970s and their escapism through alcohol, adultery, and sexual experimentation. So the Lodges and the Cooper Jones family? I know. And the Blossoms. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, love you, bye.